Hello, everyone, and welcome into Debate Night post-USDGC. Uh, it was quite an event. Uh, we were all down there, sans Connor, unfortunately, but joined by Brody and Silas here today. Today's episode, we're going to talk through the USDGC, talk about the Tour Championship Cup a little bit, see if Silas's mind changed at all, being on the grounds, you just watching it, it happen. I did. I called it a Champions Cup. Tour Championship's what I meant. Okay. Although, Champions Cup, I kind of like that. Do we flip no, you it? Said, Do we flip you, said, you said Tour Cup. The Tour Cup? I like that, too. I think you call it Tour Cup. <laughs> I think what? we changed the name. I'm, I'm sticking with it. Tour Cup. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, let's. you know what? Brody, let's have you recap your USDGC first. Uh, then we can just kind of talk about USDGC as a whole and transition into Silas's experience and see if he uh, if Changes he still if he still thinks the same as he thought last week. Yeah, so I'm gonna pull up my rounds here so I can kind of have a little bit more fami- familiarity of some of the stuff. Um, but yeah, overall USDGC, I mean, it's an awesome. Awesome course, a lot of fun because it's one of the few courses on tour. I feel like whenever we do get to a tour stop where the course is challenging, I always bring that up because it's so rare for us to play courses where you're constantly being challenged every single hole. And there's just not, there's not a a whole, maybe hole nine, maybe, but for a lot of people, not even hole nine of where you can just take a second to breathe. Like every shot is demanding. Every shot is like, I have to execute this um, or, or I can take a number. So uh, I I think a lot of people are a little probably mentally more mentally tired today or yesterday rather than a lot of tournaments um, coming off of just because it's a, it's an automatic grind 24 seven while you're out there. But my my experience out there, I mean, obviously I did better than last year, so that's always good, you know, to improve on. Um, definitely didn't finish where I wanted to. I was pretty happy going into the weekend because I felt like I hadn't played that. I hadn't had a real great front nine, but I was playing the back nine pretty well. And so I felt like if I could just figure out the front nine on the weekend, I could maybe put myself in contention Turns out that that I would have had to, I mean, I think I was, what, nine under, and Gannon ended up shooting, would Gannon shoot to win? Do we know 30-something? I'll pull it up. He, he, he shot very hot final round. So he, he, shot, he, shot, he shot 12 under with a double in the final. So he had, yeah. four, he had 14, or I guess 13 birdies and an eagle, or 12 Jeez. birdies and an eagle. He shot then, 33 under to win. 33. Yeah. So at the time, nine under didn't seem that far off because I think the the lead was at maybe 15 or something. So I was only six back. And so I was like, if it gets windy, who knows? And we talked about this p- before about what we thought the low rounds were going to be. Practice was all windy. Yeah. Everything, everything like the lowest wind we had was maybe eight or nine miles per hour. The conditions out there, there was a couple times, you know, where we'd play four or five holes where the wind would pick up to nine. It would gust over 10 here and there. But the the scoring conditions were the best they could have been this week. And I think that's why we saw people shoot as well as they did. So mm-hmm. we were pretty off in that, but I think we were expecting it to be a little bit windier and a little harder. But 
Yeah, looking at my rounds, um, one thing that I was really happy with is I I only missed a, I missed one circle one putt on round two. I didn't miss a circle one putt on round one. Missed one on round two. Missed one on round three, and missed one on round four. So my circle one putting was ninety two percent, which was fifth in the field. That was something that has been plaguing me all season i want to say like some of these tournaments i was finishing like 120th or something and put circle one x putting Mm. so that's something i've been really working on so i was happy with how i put it inside the circle um i ended up i think i it was something like what was it yeah i made 35 putts so i missed i missed i was 35 of 38 inside the circle so i was very happy with that um so that was good OB shots kind of plagued me a little bit. Uh, not so much in the sense of like, that's why I didn't score well. Because I only threw 12 OB shots, which was 18th in the field. So I I wasn't littering them OB, but I was throwing OB shots when I was in really good position a lot of times. Mm. So like hole 11, I did that twice where I was in perfect position off the tee. And that should be an up and down for birdie. And I threw it OB, took a bogey. And that's, yeah. that's two strokes right there that you cannot do on this course. But looking at it, the front seven is really the front. Yeah, the front seven really killed me. So round one, I played the front seven, one over. Round two, I played the front seven, one over. Round three, I played the front seven, one under. And then round four, I played the front seven, one over. Hmm. To finish the tournament, uh, two over, ten under. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I was ten, oh. ten under for the tournament. So like, I played the back, the back half of the course. Great, very happy with how I did that. Obviously, there's some misses here and there that I need to clean up. But I, you know, I sent out a tweet after the tournament saying that this course really will expose you for what you're you're not confident in, and there were multiple times where the straight backhand shot was the ideal shot. Mm. You could get away with throwing a forehand, but the straight yeah. backhand was the ideal shot. And I, I wasn't confident in it. And I went forehand on hole 18. I think hole 18 is a straight backhand off the tee. Hole one is a straight backhand. Hole four is a straight backhand. Um, there's a, a couple more maybe in between there, but I went forehand and I think it was like a safer play in my, my position at that time. But for me to really attack the course and play the course, the way to be in contention, I got to be able to throw a straight back in. So that was huge. And then circle two putting, that was the other thing I made one of four on round one. One of four on round two. Uh, round three, I didn't really have any circle two putts to even putt at, which was interesting. That might be off. And then I made 0 of seven on mm. round four. So those are those are things that I really need to be working on a lot this offseason. Do you think that circle two putting goes up if you're still step putting? Yeah, we like, talked was there about any in that. Was yeah, there any in that range where you're like, if I was step putting, I think I'm banging those, or were they all like 50, 60 feet? 
There was definitely, obviously, a handful of those that were 50, 50 feet plus. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Hole 14. Oh, hole 14 was the scuba yeah. in round one. That's what that one was. I didn't make – and then hole 16. Hole 16 was like a 50-footer 50, 50 that I made. That was a really good putt. But that was coming off of three birdies, so I was just – that was You're I confidently yeah I confidently threw that one in there, and then um, hole eight. I mean I had a circle two putt every round, pretty much every round, almost every round on hole eighteen, and that you just which can't, that's just yeah you lay that up you unless you're gonna win or yeah, something. You just can't do that. So yeah, I don't know. I mean I I think I, I think there was a handful that maybe yeah my circle my step putt might might have given me a better shot. But I also wasn't practicing my step putt prior to this event, so yeah, I, I you know I I was trying to make that switch to just more stand and deliver putting from distance. But I don't know. Overall, it's one of those where I'll look back and and there's a lot of what ifs, obviously. But I think for me, the, the, my big takeaway is this course is a course that I feel like I can be very successful at. Yeah, just with how the play style how it requires you to play a certain way and I just have to get better. I'm just not good enough. I have to get better. So I got to put a lot of work in this off season. So that way, when I get back here, um, I mean, there was a huge change in playing this course this year and playing this course last year. Yeah. Cause like last year I would actually argue and say that I, I actually probably played well based off of my skill set, And this year, I would say I, I didn't play that great based off my skill set, but I obviously got a lot more birdies and finished higher. But, um, well, this yeah, year this you one, actually had a overstable driver in your bag, so that also very helpful. Yes, that, that definitely very, helped. The, the flippy nuke as my overstable driver last year was, was, a, was a questionable choice at that. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need that out here. Uh, the tournament as a whole, again, we talked about it on grip lock, but we kind of talk about throw pink women's and USDGC. It's just one tournament, the FPO. That's fine. Side. We can do that. We can because do that. I mean, throw pink, I think should be the major. I think, uh, that's at least my stance on it. Uh, I think it should be us women's, but Katrina Allen took it down. Kristen Tatar was able to come back and finish in second place. And then Hina Blomers rounded out third. So it's pretty usual suspects overall top. Well, three. I mean, the Katrina Allen situation like that, that back and forth going into the final, I think it was round three is what it was. That was some of the craziest back and forth. I think I've ever seen in disc golf because at one, no, no, during round three, during round three, yes. Cause you had, you had a stretch where Kat went, uh, she parred hole five. She doubled hole six, part seven, part eight, part nine, doubled 10, bogeyed 11. And in that stretch, you had Hina taking four, uh, three birdies. You had Kristen taking three birdies and an eagle. Yeah. And so you essentially had, you know, what the tournament was essentially kind of, in our opinion at that time, like over. Like, yeah. The com- I was just, I'd have to go back, but it wouldn't surprise me if the commentators already called it done. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's... With just how difficult the back nine plays for FPO, 
it's one of those where just if you just play for par and then some of these some of the FPO holes were so easy in the sense of like being able to play safe and make birdies, right? Yeah. Some of the pars were super soft. I mean, hole hole nine was a, an outrageous like that was my that might have been one of the most outrageous things I've ever heard a commentator said, which is completely right. They weren't wrong. But where it's like, ooh, they just threw OB. They're going to have a putt for birdie now. Like, that is just an outrageous statement. But yeah. that's just how the hole played. And so the lead was so big that I was like, man, if Cat literally just plays super smart on the difficult holes, because there are still obviously difficult holes out there, and then just plays her normal game on the holes that are scorable, it's seven strokes is going to be so hard for anyone because when you do play super aggressive out in USDC, that's where you can take big numbers, and that's where you know you can get you can get bit a little bit. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, looking at this, I mean, Cat, this is her first time winning since Idlewild, which is kind of kind of crazy to think about. Um, she just hasn't really been in the mix that much at a lot of these tournaments, and no. she just, I mean, her putting this week was phenomenal. She was draining everything from outside. And when she's making her putts like that, she's tough to beat. And yeah, you know, I, I would say Kristen had a couple um, rough rounds. She ended up. Uh, what she end up doing? I, I wish she this... lost nine strokes round one. Two, it was Missy, but Katrina was right behind Missy. She lost. Kristen lost eight strokes yeah. round one to Katrina. Yeah, round one, and, but was her. able to make up seven of those eight in round three. Yeah. Uh, but she lost another five. Looking at this, she lost another five. Cat on day two was when Cat really tore the course up, um, and as did Henna. But uh, that's where Kristen lost another five. So seven yeah, shows Hannah. round three made it interesting, but not interesting enough to where it, it really came down to it. Yeah, Henna went. Jeez, Henna went ten under with a double. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Um. 63 and she was 63 percent circle one she ended up missing three putts inside a circle on her 50 on that 10 to under shoot round. 10 under shot Dag three. On. yeah my goodness she's she one of those Hina, she could have got to like 15 i gotta say after watching this i know we talked about kristen a lot we talked about evelina and stuff i i think now henna has shown at USCDC and at Maple Hill, two of the two of the more difficult courses on tour, she's shown that if she can get her putting dialed in a little bit, she she's going to be up there. I mean, her she's going to be up there, right? I yeah. Mean, it's but, a lot. I mean, it's a lot like Katrina Allen was. I guess it was last year, um, where it was like it's obvious. It's just one thing to fix. It's like just fix that, and you're there. Mm-hmm. But it's and obviously Kat, not. It's obviously not just that simple. But sounds it. And cat cat putted a lot better. She was second in. Um, she was fourth in C one X gained strokes. Yeah. Seventy nine percent. Fourteen percent from circle two. But. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. FPO. Uh, FPO. This this week was actually really fun and and interesting to watch. Just with how many how how chaotic the leaderboard was going you know yeah. you just had you never you, had, you just never knew what's going on yeah you, you had no idea and 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 really it got i mean obviously seven strokes i thought it was over um it wasn't but uh you know 
with with how the last couple holes played for some of the FPO players, you know, you have someone like Own, for example. Own took a nine on hole eighteen. You know, there was yeah page page. This is fi- final round. Own took a nine. Kristen bogeyed. Obviously, she was playing super aggressive. Paige took a seven. Cat um, Merch took a seven. Jessica Wee seven. Rebecca Cox, eight. And then, obviously, we know how se- 17 plays. Now, I didn't realize this. Do you know that 17 – they played 17 way different than MPO? No. So, MPO, we throw three shots, right? You have three yes. chances, basically, to get on. If you don't get on, then you have, like, a 65 – footer from like the corner of the island so eight seven basically eight is pretty much the highest you can take unless you run that that be somehow yeah because then i don't know i don't even know if you advance i think you'd read you'd repot from the drop zone potentially someone get up there someone did take 11 someone took an 11 that was i think the highest score taken on Mm. 17 for mpo so i'm assuming they ran the putt and yeah, and then did that. But eight eight was pretty much standard what you were going to get. Now, FPO, if you miss the island the first throw, you go down to, like, the Felberg layup spot. Oh, a separate drop zone. Yeah, so, like, where Felberg would lay up was, like, when he won it, I guess he laid up every round. And he yeah. would just basically jump putt to, like, the gap. And then basically just have a straight backhand hyzer down. So that was where you would take your third shot. And then if you missed that, you would take your fifth shot, I believe, on the island. So a six six was basically the highest you would take for FPO. And eight was pretty much the highest you could take for MPO. Um, But I thought that was interesting how they changed that. Makes sense. But yeah, I mean, looking, going through, I mean, we can talk about, I do want to talk about some other... um, let me see what else I have on here. I think uh, I had something about Paige Shue being back in the mix a little bit. Now, obviously, yeah. she didn't play. She didn't play that great final round. Shot seven over, but going into the final round, she was kind she of in the, mix. in the mix. She was in the mix a little bit for for. Uh, uh, let's see here. She was, I guess, top fifteen. But that she's someone that hasn't really been on tour at all this year. And, um, you know, she Monday qualified. Oh, she was the Monday qualifier. Yeah. I was talking about that. I wanted to know, do you know who Monday qualified for MPO? We wanted to see who was the highest, like who Uh, finished the, who finished the best for MPO. Posted it. Uh, I don't know who finished the best, but I can find who Monday qualified. But it was good to see, it was good to see Paige Shue back in the mix. Also good to see Haley King, someone that we haven't seen on tour in a really long time. She was, um, I think she skipped out on the last couple. I don't think she played GMC. I could be wrong, but I, I know she skipped out, I believe on MVP. Yeah. She, she didn't play much this, this season. Um, I believe she just recently got a new job in disc golf. If I, if I remember correctly, I had to look at her Instagram. I, I vaguely remember her posting something about it. Um, mm. so Monday qualifier for MPO was Ian Burchett, Joseph Anderson, Aaron Doyle, Alex Zeros, and Max. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Okay, hold on. Regitnig. Okay, so. That's what it looks like. uh, Alex Zyros, is that what you said? Yes. So he must have just had the round of his life because he he finished 
dead last at 49 mm. over. All right. Well, he was one of the Monday qualifiers. Then you have Sorry, Aaron, Aaron Doyle, yep. 93rd, plus 25. Ian Burchette, 92nd, yep. plus 24. Okay. Uh, who's the other one? Joseph Anderson. Joseph Anderson. Ooh, he might be the winner. Max is Max. Max is one of them. Yeah. 83rd plus 16. And then so Joseph then, Anderson. Oh, I'm scoring up a little bit. Ooh, all right, plus 13. 74. That's not bad. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I think that's that just shows you, though, like, what what that shows you, and it's not, obviously, all those players are very good to be able to, to show up and, and play well the round that matters the most to qualify in. But I think what that shows you is the the bit like how big of a gap you can have on a course like this. You know, you can go out and shoot five under one day, and then the next day go out and not play that much differently, but just be a little off and shoot five over. And yeah, yeah I mean, four rounds on the course like this—that's that's that's the crazy thing. Four rounds is, and Gannon, I mean, Gannon was pretty consistent, and then obviously he went berserk mode on round four, but he shot 58, 58, 55, uh, yeah. and then berserked out at 52. Um, but, you know, you'll see you'll see people with big swings. I mean, Paul had a 61 and then a 55, and then 55, 55, 58, so he had like one round that he wasn't. Shooting oh, on all cylinders. Yeah. Well, Ricky had 56, 57, 65 round three, and then back to 56 round four. Mm-hmm. You have, I mean, Nate Sexton, who I do want to talk about here in a second. He went 62, 61, and then just 55, 58, just came to play uh, on the weekend. You got Gavin Babcock with a 62 first round, 62 final round, and then 57 and 58 in the middle. So, it, I mean, it's it's – it's a course that, like you, can't, like I said, you just can't take a breath. You can't, you can't take, you can't take any time. So, um, let me see if there was anything else FPO I wanted to talk about with just finishes. Oh, we got to talk about Kristen. Hundred uh, percent podium finishes this year on tour. Yeah, never finished off a podium, and this was a tournament that. I think after round one, people were like, ooh, we're finally seeing Kristen, like, be human. Yeah. She's she's going to finish outside the top ten. And then she just no. battled her way back. And honestly had a lot of had, – had chances to win. Like, Yeah, no, she did. The, I mean, her upshot on hole 12 hurt her, her really bad. That, I mean, that cost her what two shots there. I mean, there, yeah. there were, there were, there were mistakes on the final round that were unchristian like, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, I, I don't know if this is what we're to expect next year as well, of where if she doesn't play well, she gets second. I mean, I, or, it's, it's tough. To, it's just, it's tough to know what could happen this offseason because, like, there's so many players in FPO that have the skill, they just don't, aren't consistent out there. So, like, Page obviously at I feel that. <laughs> Page obviously has the skill. Cat obviously has a skill. This year, the first time I think in recent memory, you can say like they just weren't consistently at the top. Henna, obviously, Evelina, Haley King when she's out there, owns Scoggins at the right course, Missy Gannon mm-hmm. at the right course. So 
it's not like these players, there's like this gap that they have to overtake skill-wise. There is a slight one, but it's more if they just get consistent this offseason and they come out next year. Because even some players like Kona, we saw glimpses last year. I wouldn't really say we saw many glimpses this year of that same type of play to where like... Kona had a couple... Kona had a couple glimpses, like in rounds. In she rounds, didn't have. Yeah. She could. She couldn't do it for a full tournament, but there was a couple times where she was shooting like the hot round, and then yeah. maybe would take a big number or something. But yeah, so when like, you she have was that, still getting a lot of birdies, but yeah, when you have that long list of players that are all like there, just have like a little bit to go. It's tough to think. Oh well, Kristen. That's just how Kristen's going to be next year too. Um, could she? Obviously, because Kristen might not probably isn't she, at her ceiling so she I was gonna say she could better. she could even get better yeah. uh it just depends a lot like a lot of decisions are gonna be made this offseason because like it could just be someone else next year that comes yeah. out and does it i think i mean i think this is one of those and i you know we'll talk a little bit about how much money you can make on fpo right like because i think that's a big a big difference between several years ago for obviously for mpo but you know fpo is definitely uh, accelerating, I would say, faster in their payouts over the last couple of years than MPO yeah. is. And so, you know, money drives the world, right? And so if you're not in, if you're not on the pro tour right now and you're looking at it, you could be like, holy cow, I can make actually a decent amount of money on F- in, in FPO. So this offseason is going to, I think you're right. This offseason is going to be one of where you're going to have players like Henna, like Evelina, of where, Hey, let's let's work an hour to two hours every single day this offseason on putting. Yeah. You know, Evelina, let's change my form. My form right now is not great for pressure situations. So let's change it and let's see how my form uh, or let's see how I do uh, next year with a new putting form, new confidence and practicing an hour or two. Because, I mean, for me, that was that was a clear sign of you know, going 120th in circle one putting to top 10 this tournament. The only thing I changed was I start I started practice putting again for like way longer than I used to. And after ter- my rounds and stuff like US, after every, my, every, every round at USCGC this week, I putted for like another hour because it was just one of those where it's like, I got to get the reps in. You got to get the reps in. And so I think that's huge for some of the players out there. And then I think, on the on the flip side, I think like a Missy Gannon, if she developed a forehand, right, like a like a three hundred foot forehand, two hundred eighty foot forehand, that I she was three hundred foot forehand. I need to develop that thing. Come on, Rush. man! Come on, man! Um, uh, if she can develop a, a forehand this off season, I think that's going to bode huge for her. Yeah. Uh, going in, same thing with uh, like Paige. I like, say Paige. That's the big if, thing. I think if Paige can develop a forehand. And not have these, you know, turnover shots. Because we've talked about this a little bit of how some holes are designed for that forehand flare skip at the end. That that movement. And yeah. you cannot replicate that with the same way with a backhand turnover. Yeah. So, you know, you got someone like a Holland Hanley. Like, she's someone that could have an incredible offseason. And she's someone that we have seen. Uh, she, she finished ninth in this tournament. She shot five under her final round to finish ninth. She moved up seven spots. She's someone that can all of a sudden come back on the scene next year and be have a massive improvement. Um, and then who knows? We there there are some people that we might not even know yet that that are grinding out there this off season and, yeah. and putting themselves in position. So 
Well, there's uh, one uh, I want to talk a little bit. You said you're talking about the money in FPO, and it made me think. Because last year, correct me if I'm wrong, last year, once Missy Gannon won 30 grand at the Pro Tour Championship, she set the yes. most earnings for FPO, correct? Kristen's yes. already passed her prior to the Pro yeah, Tour Championship. And didn't play everything. So Kristen's already at 68 grand made this year without playing anything, meaning, and the previous record that Missy set last year was 67. If Kristen wins the Pro Tour Championship, she'll be over 100,000 in prize money this year. Yes. Which obviously a big 35% of that would be the Pro Tour Championship. But like you said, Kristen didn't even play everything. Like mm-hmm. she missed she missed two majors. She missed the European Open and US Women's. Two majors which, that could have made which, her a few thousand bucks each. I mean, that's probably 14K at least. Like we can probably put 14K in the, in the bank for that. Yeah. So like if right? she does, if she does that, then she's already at like 80, 80 grand. Yeah. So yeah. like that just shows how fast this is advancing. Cause last year you have the record set this year. Someone breaks the record possibly by 40 grand. And then, you know, who's to say someone doesn't break it again next year. Now, Kristen well, cleaned house, obviously everything she showed up to yeah, but, first, second or third, but, 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 but time out when you're looking at, cause I have this pulled up cause I did want to talk about uh, the cash situation. So looking at the top 10 right now, you have Paul at 78 K Ricky at 68 K you have Kristen at 62. So she got third overall. Well now it's 67. Now it's 68. Oh, that's well, that, that, I guess they don't have USDGC. In yeah, yeah, this is either. this is this is before USDGC. This is before USDGC. Yeah, 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 yeah. W- yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then you got Simon at 50, 59, Paige at 55. So right there, you have two FPO players in the top five. Yeah. Calvin at 53, Burr at 48, Dickerson at 45, and then Owen at 41. So you have, and then Cat at 40. And Cat's about to go up another 10. Cat's going to be a Sure. Favorite. Yeah. So, and then uh, else on, and then obviously it drops a little bit. And then the next, the next one's Missy at 37, who's a couple spots, only two spots down from Cat. And then you got to go down another one, two, three, or one, another two spots for Val at 33. So like, I mean, the difference, the difference in MPO and FPO payouts right now is, is not that significant. It really yeah. isn't. And when we're looking at when we look at payouts and stuff, a lot of times with just how different the field size is, you know, playing in the FPO field, like if you are a decent player, you, you can make a lot of money right now. So that yeah. but I think that's good. I think that's a good thing. I think you want to have that enticing of like, hey, I'm a decent local pro. Um, you know, I'm cashing at all my A tier events and I'm winning and like, let me go out on tour a little bit and, and test it. And I think, yeah. you know, I think we saw that like someone like Macy, uh, she tested that last year and now she's at more events this year. And I think hopefully we see that more next year of where, um, some FPO players are like, Hey, let me just test the waters. I'm going to play in these two or three events that are kind of somewhat close to me. And let me see where I'm at. And if they have good finishes, then, you know, maybe they start touring more next year. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was fascinating to see uh, the the amount of money you can make on tour this year. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, on the MPO side. Yeah, um, let's talk MPO. Gannon obviously took it down. Everyone's posting he's the youngest, youngest USDGC champion. Surely he's the youngest major champion. I mean, I don't have any. I don't know how to look that up. 
Well, but the problem with that is you got like what fifteen junior fifteen. There aren't those ma- majors. Throw See, those that's the thing. That's not, that's I know, an M major, I know. But like, that's, I know, but they're they're probably counting that. That's what I'm that's, thinking. Like, if you count that, then obviously, you know, yeah, sure. Gannon's not the youngest major champion ever, but M M majors aren't pro majors. So, like, who's quick time out though. I like, do. We need to promote. We need to promote just before it gets too long in the podcast, and people, right. you know, our haters stop listening. We gotta promote the call in. We're taking yes. your guys' calls this Thursday, Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. All you need to do is have a Twitter account. Everyone can create a Twitter account. You can, you can have an egg. doesn't really matter. It takes five seconds, so there really isn't a reason not to have one. This is the easiest way of doing it for everyone. And just create a Twitter account. Um, be ready for the link to be sent out at 7 p.m. and just join the link and you'll jump into um, the Twitter, space. A Twitter space and then you just like request to talk. You'll get thrown up to the top. I'll see that you requested. We'll bring you in and then you can debate me and Hunter on whatever topics it is. And here's the thing too. Like this is you guys coming to the table to – debate us in the sense of like what your topic is because i know sometimes people will be like all right i'm on here what do you want to talk about and it's like i i don't know everything i've said i've agreed on so like you have to you have to come to the table of what we've said or whatever this is giving you a platform to do that and obviously this past week there was tons of people that wanted to talk to me about dress dress code so hopefully some of those people come on and we can talk more about dress code and what should be worn and what shouldn't be worn um, but yeah, we haven't done this in a long, long time. Yeah. So hopefully the people that, and this is what I'll say, the people that want to debate us on certain things, we'll kind of give them first line. Like they'll skip the line and get up first. If you have a question, I would say just hold off on that for a while. And then we will probably take some questions and stuff at the end. Yeah. But we want to try to have the people that disagree with us. Um, and, uh, you know. I, I, I've changed my mind on a lot of things this year. And I think I've definitely have become more open to some ideas that I definitely was more closed minded off to. So who knows? You might come on with a great point and I might be like, yep, you're right. I was wrong. Next topic. Boom. See you Thursday uh, at seven. All right. Thursday sorry. at seven. There you go. Uh, Back to yeah, MPO. MPO. Gannon Burr takes it down. Youngest. Youngest USDGC champion for sure. Most likely the youngest professional major champion of all time. I hope someone corrects me in the comments because I'd love to see a 16-year-old that won something previously. But 17 years old to be doing this. Definitely, I mean, it's hard to think it's not the first of many times he's going to win majors. Because, I mean, the kid just has the clutch gene. Like, there was so many putts that, like, hole 14 is the first one that comes to my mind where, like, he if missed he one misses putt. that, if he misses he hole missed fourteen, yeah, if he misses hole fourteen, probably over, because he's up on the hillside. The way he's running it, probably going into the hazard. Nicholas was close. Nicholas ended up missing that putt, but Nicholas was pretty close. Tough to imagine he's missing that if Gannon doesn't make his. That could literally be like three stroke swing there. Uh, another big putt on seventeen. You know, he was the only one. To, Nicholas. He was the only one to eagle ten. Yeah, 10, because at that time, Paul and Calvin obviously were still in the mix, and it was like 
they just got to, I mean, you're stepping up to it thinking Paul's going to put this on 10. That's kind of how he was getting his round going this weekend. It felt like was he got close on 10, made the Eagle putt, and the rest of the round started going better. Yep. And Calvin and Paul just, I don't even know what their shots were doing. Gannon was apparently the only one that had the right wind, wind read or something because what? So, Calvin so Paul messed mit- up the drop zone. Yeah, I was going to say, so Paul missed, went drop zone, got up and down for par. What did Calvin do to get a seven? So, so Calvin went off the tee, turned over way too much. Uh, okay, so missed right. Like cruised it to the right. Drop zone, same thing, turned over way too much. So I throw mm. again from the drop zone. So that's two, four, five. He must have missed the putt to take the seven. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a five-shot swing he, with him and Gannon. He was doing that. that a lot because even on 14 – he did a similar thing, right, Silas? Like he just turned it over way too much, Calvin. Yeah, yeah he just oh, because yeah, on hole fourteen, on hole fourteen, yeah, he was just he, way right. On hole fourteen, he's one of the few people that take the straight at it line. Yeah, and so he not a lot of people throw that. Where he just like turned it over too much, mm. whereas Gannon just threw a sick flex shot on ten, and yeah, picked up some momentum. Like he, he has time and time again, he was faced with a clutch putt that was like, you need to hit this. And every time he did. So out of the, I mean, the lead card was, the lead card finished all top four, right? Gannon, yes. Nicholas, Calvin, Paul. So Paul was one, I mean, and we've, we've talked about this too. Like the, the starting stretch at USCGC is very difficult. The first four holes, not so much difficult in the sense of like, you can take big numbers, but very, just very hard birdies to get. Mm-hmm. Paul Paul was one over through the first four. Calvin was even through the first four. Nicholas was one under through the first four, and Gannon was three under through yeah. the first four. He gained four he strokes on Paul, well, three strokes that, on Calvin, and he hit one that on long Nicklaus. putt on one to start his round. He was like short. Of he the was long. short of the log. Yeah, and drilled that. God, I saw that. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I saw the highlight of that. That was, yeah. I mean, he was he was in straight aggressive mode, but I think. The, I mean, I think maybe spectators or maybe, you know, maybe fans realize this at this time, but you have to be so good at putting. Yeah. If you want to win one of these things and it's not windy, because that was the thing. When it's windy, putting is way more like strategic of like how aggressive you want to be or like changing your putt so that you give a chance to, to make it, but it doesn't get thrown away by the wind. When it's, un, when it's unwindy, when it's not windy, like it was this, this tournament, it just shows you how good everyone is at the top at putting and how you literally just have to freaking chuck them in there. And if you're not, you're not going to win. You're just not going to win. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, the kid, the kid's good. The kid's very good. It's, it's no surprise. We've known this for a long time. Well, that's what's so weird. He's, he's been in contention forever yeah. at almost every tournament it feels like it felt like a long time coming and then he won and i was like man finally and then i was like hunter he's 17 yeah like, like I mean, why that- do i have this feeling of like finally like this is such a long time coming when this is his like first year on first year fully on tour i think yeah but i mean even last year when he when he jumped on the scene at waco he was like yeah. in the mix there so i mean he, he's been in the mix for the last two years at a lot of tournaments and i think that's where it feels like Ah man, but it's like you said, it's it's not like a journeyman that's been on tour for seven, eight years and then finally gets his win. Yeah. He's just had like the career of seven or eight year 
like veteran pro has had on tour of where they're in the mix maybe a couple times every year. Yeah. He's had that he's had that career in a year and a half now. Yeah. So that's where it's just like it feels elevated and fast, but I mean, hats off to him and I mean, going down the list, you know, Nicholas put uh, an incredible performance out there. Yeah. He he was Mr. Consistent, 56, 57, 56, 55. Yeah, I mean, which that's what that's what it takes out there. I mean, because he he basically made Gannon. He like showed up and was like, "You're going to do something crazy to beat me," and Gannon yeah. did. But like that's that's what it takes at USDGC. Is like that's why Sexton typically. I mean, this year he still got himself back in the mix, but historically when he's on full on tour, he is Mister Consistent, and eventually he won one because it's like one of these years, yeah. Challenge someone, say, do something crazy to beat me, and they're not going to be able to. Yeah, he's gonna take it. They're gonna take a six or something on seventeen, and 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 Nicholas was right there. Literally, he executes his putt on on fourteen. He executes his putt on seventeen, and he wins. He wins. Yeah, but so, I mean, I which I still think the seventeen putt was far enough out that he might not hit it if Gannon doesn't go first. Fourteen, I think if Gannon doesn't make that putt, Nicholas makes that all day. But those, are, yeah, but those are both putts that he feels like he should make. Yeah. So yeah, it's he's just he's banged him in yeah. his face first. Yeah, he's going to be leaving the tournament being like, man, it was right there for the taking, you yeah. know? But And he's young too, isn't he? He's like 20? 20, he's 20. Yeah, yeah he's 20. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, future yeah. of disc golf's wild cuz we also had Jake Mon burst on the scene who's also I think 17. Let's talk about let's well, let's get to him in a little bit cuz he's a little bit further down the leaderboard. I do yeah. want to go down the leaderboard a little bit here. Um Calvin Heinberg. Obviously not no surprise. No. Last last year Probably should have won it last year, but had that terrible, unfortunate break happen on 17 where his putt like stood up and rolled OB. Um, but Calvin's Calvin's always going to be in the mix at this tournament. I feel like it's going to be it's going to be rare for him not to be. His yeah. game his game suits this this course very well, and you know he's an incredible putter, and it's no surprise he takes third. The one surprise, and obviously we talked a little bit about already on hole 10. The one surprise is he was one over par on hole ten. That is very surprising. So even if he even if he does take that seven, right, you would think that the previous rounds he would have had one or two eagles, a birdie, whatever. No, he you know he he was he was two under going into, yeah he was no yeah he was two under going into the final round. And it was on three hole over round, yeah. And then three over. You know it so, makes it. it, it because Nicholas's play was, I'm laying up every round. That's what lay I up, Lay up, lay yeah. up, birdie. Lay up, I lay think, up, birdie. And I it's, think that's that a very easy mis- way to do it. I think but that might have been a mistake, though. I agree. I think, like, not for Nicholas, because Nicholas, I, think I think for Nicholas, that, well, I think also that distance is is that distance that is kind of right on the iffiness yeah, for him, it. probably. Yeah, I, I was saying it was a mistake for me. I think yes, I should have I I I I gone for it. When you but, said you didn't go for it, I was very surprised. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those where it's like you either go for it every single round or you lay up every single round. No, yeah, like I don't think you you, you just play. have that mindset because it's it's midway in the round, so it's like it's it's almost too early to be like unless you're five or six back and you know I got to do something. If you're like in the mix, then it's too early in the round to change your game plan and be like I need to be really aggressive here. I feel like um, where where fifth, it falls, fifth. but. 15 eagles are on that hole out of so basically 15 percent of the field eagled that hole yeah. on the final on the final day yeah uh, um it's definitely an yeah. eagle hole uh joel freeman 
you know, snipe the course record at 52, only for Gannon to tie it with a double bogey the final round. Um, yeah, that kind what of the heck? shot he just... Joel Freeman back up into the mix. He went 65, 60, 52, and then 57 yeah. to kind of hang around. What the heck? That was that was an incredible round. And then obviously Ricky, too, looked like he was just going to run away with the thing potentially after the first two days. Well, after two days, he was tied for the lead or he was in the lead? He was um, tied for the lead with Jake. Yes, with Jake Mon. Yeah. Yeah. And so everyone was like, ah, I mean, Jake's going to fall off. So Ricky's got this, right? Yeah. I saw a stat where when Ricky was tied for the lead through two rounds of a four-round major, it was a 50% chance win percentage, historically. So mm. on, I think it was on the Heiser Club mailbag, our Patreon podcast, uh, we flipped a coin and said, heads, Ricky wins, tails, Ricky loses, and the coin landed on tails. It was right. Wow. Think about uh, Paul finished top five, fourth. No surprise there. Matty O sneaks into a top five. Yeah, and again, that last round, he kind again, of slowly no got surprise. him in there. Yeah. No surprise. Matty O, Matty o is just very, very good at disc golf. Um, Isaac Robinson, another person that's very good on this course, obviously a very good disc golfer as well, winning on tour this year and being kind of in the mix at some of the other majors as well. But he finished six. Uh, uh, we talked about Ricky at seven. Joel Freeman we talked about at seven. Kyle Klein, who was in that playoff last year with – Paul finished ninth. Um, honestly, he could have probably been in the mix too, but it looks like he was just kind of he he was he he has had too many bogeys. He he, I don't know if it was because of the OB. Let me look real quick. He only threw two OB shots the final day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was a, he he went on a stretch the final day where he had one, two, three, four, five, six, eight birdies in a row in the middle of the, the middle, which is impressive. That middle stretch is not the easiest stretch on the course, so. Um, and then last, last to talk about going down a leaderboard for me, at least, maybe there is some other people in there you want to talk about, but Nate Sexton, yeah. uh, playing, playing just good enough to squeak in a solo 10th, which now is 14 top tens in majors 14. in a row or yes. Yeah. Yes. In a row. That's what I'm saying. Nate Sexton is just Mr. Consistent. Like, he just, especially at USTGC, you just kind of know he's going to find a way to be, I wouldn't say in the mix, but he's going to find a way to be up there. Like, it seems like every year that's just going to happen. Here's the thing, too, is like, these stats are actually starting to get more and more impressive, right? Yep. Is If you told me, you know, the Kristen Tatar stat, right? Of where the last the last person to do what Kristen Tatar did was in 2015, Katrina Allen. Yeah, and like, okay, hats off to Katrina, great season. But 2015 FPO is nothing like 2022 FPO. Yeah. So like, you can't compare the two and saying like, oh, they were just as good as seasons. Like, no, 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 no. And I think it's the same thing of where. You know, if someone was like, yeah, well, this person, though, had 20 top 10s in a row. And it's like, okay, from what years? And they're like, from 1990 to 2000. It's like, they're competing again. I mean, they had to beat, what, like two people to get in a top 10? Yeah. Like, this is, I mean, he. there's a lot of good players that did not make the top 10 this week. No, that's what I was going to, like, when I was looking down the leaderboard, what I always like to do a term like this, where it is so many variance is like go the opposite direction which players surprised me with how I don't know, oh like you, want to start, you want to start from the bottom and go up 
That's what I always like doing. I, I kind of, I already did it a little bit. Uh, first, I'll say Chandler Kramer surprised me. No, mainly because surprised. mainly because typically this is a tournament that forehand players do well. Nope. Yeah. Nate no, Sexton. no, no. Time out, time out, time out. We, me and Ezra had this conversation oh, for over boy. two hour, over two hours yesterday. We this went is a through, forehand tournament. We went through the course. We went through the course and said, if your backhand and forehand are equivalent, yeah. okay, there's no difference. What is the better shot? There were, and this is this is from tee shots and upshots. There were 18 backhands, nine forehands. And this yeah. is this is this is our argument. A backhand is a better throw than a forehand. Correct. You have more control over. Because here's but... the thing. Here, here's the thing. When when you say 18 backhands to nine forehands, you would think, okay, well, if you're lefty, right, it would be nine backhands and 18 forehands. No, no, no. It was the exact opposite. It was almost the same of where it was 18 backhands with lefty, nine forehands with lefty. And it's because the backhand is just a better throw. Here's what it's just a better throw. Here's what I'll say. The backhand is a better throw, 100%. You have more spin control, more speed control, more angle control, all of that. But with the more capability also comes more that could go wrong. The forehand is a more consistent throw, I would say. To where, if like that's why Nate Sexton always does consistently good out here. Is there's a lot of holes that you can just chip forehands, just chip a forehand, chip a forehand, putt for birdie or little upshot part. I think you're less likely to blow up if you're throwing more. We forehands. were we were going off of like obviously I don't know how he played hole five. I don't know if you watched him. I don't know if he. I chips didn't watch a, him now. I'd know, imagine he'd go forehand, forehand, forehand. Yeah, he chips a forehand and just lays up for. Well, let's see. Let's see what he did. He ever birdie hole five? Uh, he parted. He parted in round. I'll just look at round four and round three because those are the rounds that you would think he'd be the most aggressive. Uh, he birdied it. All right, so maybe maybe he is. I mean, that is a backhand, a hundred percent. That um, that that upshot over the water is a backhand. You do not want to throw a forehand because throw forehand. If you're trying to birdie it, throwing forehand, you're over OB the whole time. Yeah. And if you don't get back, you're just re-throwing where the backhand, you can at least go over the land and get up there. Um, but no, we we went through, we went through and literally thought like hole one is a backhand. Even though I went forehand all four rounds, that's just because I'm a scaredy cat and I was terrified of missing the Mando. Hole one's a backhand. And there's a lot of holes like that of where the backhand is the play. Hole hole sixteen is a backhand. You can park this it with a forehand. You can park it with a forehand. Historically, it, it's it, been a forehand. You can, but it is a backhand this year. It's a backhand. I mean, maybe um, this year. Maybe. Hole 18 is a backhand. That tee shot is a backhand. Yes, but you can still – like what I'm saying is like all these are a backhand, but if you have a good enough forehand, I think you'll be more consistently good with the forehand. Like you but might see, not that, get – you might where, not park it. Like 16, you might not park it every time, but you're probably going to be OB less with a forehand. No, highly disagree. Highly disagree. You'll be you able to be more with the forehand. Yes, because it's a much it's a much tighter gap. If you clip one of those trees, you drop down the hazard. If you push it too far, you drop down the hazard. I, I don't know. I disagree. I think you I can think shake. This you can shake your enough, back. You can shake your back tournament. It doesn't. It never makes sense that it's a forehand tournament. That's the thing. I know. That you think through it. Went, it never makes we sense. Went, but year after year. Do you want to go through it right now? Do you want to go no, through it right now? I, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. It's a forehand tournament. 
but you watch it and you watch forehand players dissect it, it's a forehand tournament. Here's, here's, there's, here's there's no, you're not going to convince me. You could you could read me every stat. You can look at everything in the world. No, no, no. This is why me. you think it's a forehand tournament, though. It's more forehand dominant. Like it's more an advantage for people that have good forehands than most courses. That's why you think it. But it's still backhand. Backhand. You're throwing backhands if you're lefty or honestly, it's a lefty backhand course. Is really what it is because lefty backhands. We we went through it is so na- nasty on so many of these holes. A lefty backhand is so on hole on hole 12, a lefty backhand is disgusting. You don't have to push that tree on the right because yep. that's super dicey and it's coming into the hillside. You can get way up there. And then you can throw and then you can throw a lefty backhand upshot where you're you're coming in from the flat part and not having to come in on the hill. I mean, a lefty backhand on this course is disgusting. And, um, but no, a righty forehand is not. Okay. And anyway, so we'll scroll farther down. Uh, but, uh Chandler, Kramer, Ch- Chandler Kramer shot 15 over yes. and he's a very, very good disc golfer. That's why I was surprised because it's clearly a forehand tournament and he played very bad. Uh, let's see. Scrolling Didn't one of you guys more. pick Silas Schultz? Is that, he was my dark horse pick. We're not going to talk about him, man. Okay. We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to ignore it. We're just okay. Sure. I buy him. Coling, surprised. Simon Lazat, very surprised. That was Simon was a player that I thought he could do something out here. Obviously, I don't think that's any you skip, not a reach. You, you, skip, you skipped past the second place world champ. Second place at Worlds. Aaron Gossage. Uh, I, was, I was saying people I was surprised. Oh, I okay. wasn't. Yeah, that didn't surprise okay. me. No offense to Aaron Gossage, but like if he comes first, I'm not surprised. If he comes 120th, I'm not surprised. Gotcha. Coling, obviously. Colin, past, surprise, past, past champion. champion. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, Greg Barsby surprised me only because he at one like he was in the top twenty at one point. I played. Right? I played. I played with him in the final round. Yeah, and then the final round. I mean, he. I mean, it's USDG seed man. He got yeah. USDG seed. Uh, hole eleven. I think he threw his tee shot OB, then threw his upshot OB, took a double. Hole twelve. Um, I think it took him three throws to get on to uh, inbounds. So he was going for the birdie, took three throws to get inbounds, and then he got hole 17. You know, yeah. it took him three shots to get on there. So the, the it, last it, one. It, it can happen real quick. That's the thing. It can happen real Like no, his round really was not. It takes, like, it takes his, like two holes to throw everything off. Yeah, he was one under going through 10. He was one under going through 10 and finished 10 over. I mean, it can happen. So fast out there. The Felberg, one, um, little su- surprise with Felberg, or not no, so much anymore. No. I, I'm okay. surprised he shot a one under. No offense to Felberg, but just like, oh. I mean, Gibson. He, vet. Gibson was gonna, uh, the last one I was going to say. Uh, last one, mainly because he didn't he didn't cash. He missed cash, and I feel oh, like this. Wow. Is a, this what was is a, cash? Cash was fortieth fortieth place. Six under. What was cash last? Well, last year the conditions were way harder. Yeah. So, so you can't really Gibson that, was the, the last one surprised me. I mean, he had a 57 in there, so he had a good round, but he went 65, 57, 71, 60. That's uh-huh. kind of nuts to think about, like, going into the tournament being like, six under is going to cash at USCDC. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, man. and, like, if you told a player that, a lot of players, like, Drew obviously is like, I don't care about cashing, like, I want to win. So he still would have been, uh, he still would have been aggressive. But if you told some players, like, hey, you can cash USCGC just shooting a six or seven under, and you're like, oh, then you think it's about not the that course. Easy. You think about it's the course a lot easy. differently, though. <laughs> no, but some players you do for sure. Course, some people yeah, think yeah, of the yeah. course of like, 
I'm gonna try to birdie like yep. 15 of the holes out there. I'm trying to birdie, but you realize yep. if I just guarantee myself birdie, which you can't ever guarantee, but like there's a few holes out there. You're like, I have a really good shot at birdieing these and then playing yeah, these holes for par. It's a lot different story. I would say there's two holes. There's two holes that you can be like, I should birdie these every time. Nine and, those? Ten. Nine, Nine ten. and ten. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, so if you play, if you play the course, you play 10 for the birdie every time. You know, heck, if you're going super safe mode, you can literally lay up on seven, not even challenge the Mando. You can throw a mid yeah, on and six have like a and four, have a jump and have like a 45 footer. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, I like, tried if you the, play for par. I tried the mid. I tried the mid on six. Tried the mid on six. Went OB. Mm. So not not the greatest layup Sorry, play. They, soft spot. That, that, OB, that OB comes in quite a bit there on the right. So yeah. uh, I thought I was playing the safe mid throw and then i just threw it ob which is the absolute worst yeah uh, that's brutal when you're like safe I shot just, ever. i should have just went for it and went ob yeah what the heck am i doing um <laughs> all right well Sil- i mean unless do you well, have anything else well, before we go to silas let's before silas because i think silas should wrap us up on usdgc we i've got a couple more topics on usdgc okay. before we go into the tour championship mode. All right. okay and then and then i think we end it i think we end today's podcast talking about the pdga survey only okay. fitting to end it with the big, big story. Um, okay. Distance contest. Were you surprised at all with the distance contest on like either FBO? No, I wasn't surprised with David Wiggins winning. No, the guy throws, I, I've been telling people, I've been either. telling people David Wiggins throws farther than anyone on this planet. Okay. Yeah, he throws very, it's not, very, very it's not close. It's not close. And he's consistent. That's the yes. other thing. He doesn't he need to have, it. he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't need to have some crazy throw. And be like, ah, I caught the angle. Just he throws just really freaking far. Yeah, he just gets on um, the disc. Albert Tam might be the most impressive though, in the sense of like what he looks like doing yeah. versus how far it goes. Yeah, he doesn't because, look like he's throwing nearly as hard as he ends up throwing. Correct, and it just it just launches out of his hand. Um, Ella Hansen threw. Did she throw over six? Five fifty-two. Okay, but what, what I will say did surprise me. That was a ball. Was David Wiggins throwing 698 feet? It's like when we, I saw the stat, 698, and I immediately was like, it's got to be slightly downhill. And I, I asked him, no. he, said it was, he said it was a slight helping wind. It was so slight he helping he wind, but wind, it was. But he's, a, like, he's like, I got was, behind it. He, he was it, pretty proud of it. It might have been five miles per hour. It was not, it was not uh, super windy of where you were like, oh, records are going to be set today. Yeah, 700 um, feet, 698, so two feet shy. But 700 feet, I mean, go out in a field and just look at that. Just, like, go walk 700 try to, feet. Try to throw two shots 700 feet. Yeah. Try to do that. Yeah, like, if you – I don't think, like, until I saw him in person, like, I had seen some pros throw, like, over 600 and stuff, but he came here and threw in the Lynchburg College field. Yeah. And threw 655 is what he ended up throwing. And, like, watching that in person, it's just – unfathomable what that disc was doing and how far away it was going it goes so far yeah um the the one surprise i would say uh, of everyone is probably adam hammies that's someone that doesn't really get talked about yeah too much on tour as like a bomber and he threw like 670 or something yeah he got up there so um yeah that's always fun and then you know you got to see those guys after the tournament was over, just la- like launch him over the, the road, like over yeah. the road, yeah. just launching him. AB and was doing his 360s. And those are also discs that are not 
No, Good. I was going to say, they typically give them like 150 gram bosses and stuff. They so were like not. Players have no idea what the disc is about to do, don't know how the, it's going to flip. Yeah, their first couple throws were absolutely atrocious. It Everyone's takes them a little first... bit to learn it, yeah. And then, and I don't then like they... that. Well, I guess it's because they don't want them to throw their disc in the water, so it makes sense. What they should but... do, though, is give them, give them those discs and let them warm up with them. Yeah. And then bring those t- bring the 10 discs that they warmed up with over. Because after throwing those 10 times, you're going to know what they do. And so at least you're not like having the first couple like just The first couple the always are like, oh. And they're like, and the pros are always like, I thought that was going to flip more. Or, wow, that flipped way more than I thought. And then they well, adjust AB, and then it goes crazy. AB almost cleared the water on a roller angle. <laughs> like it literally flipped immediately out of his hand and still almost cleared the water. Which might have been the more impressive shot. Um, Imagine that roller landed. Uh, okay, we got. Do we want to talk about Colt Montgomery's post at all or no? I mean, we can. Nope. I okay. tweeted about it. The tweet got a lot of likes. I think. Did you guys talk about it on Grip Locked? No, it was after Grip Locked. I believe. Okay. Um, I mean, this we don't have to necessarily talk about him per se, but we can talk about like the idea of that because I will yeah. say. Um, he he might not be the only player to have those opinions on this course as it being gimmicky. No, he definitely um, isn't. Which is different than janky. That's just, you know, those two words are way different. Because um, I was talking to someone yesterday that had a very, very strong opinion on this course. Now, this is what I will say. I'm not sure how well some players do at being able to remove themselves from their performance, whether it's good or bad. Yes. Because I do think some players perform well at certain tournaments and think the tournament is incredible. And I think some players perform poorly at tournaments and think the tournament is terrible. Um, Myself, for example, it it took me some time to think about it after DDO, where I got third, my best finish ever, I was like, these courses are awesome. They make you play disc golf, yada, yada, yada. It took me a while to realize, wait a second, these courses actually aren't that good. It was just extremely windy and caused for a really crazy challenge that made you have to think every single shot. You couldn't yeah. take a breath. You had to like position really well. You had to be super, super... Um, super smart about your angle control. You had to be super smart with how you were putting. And when you, when I went back to worlds, it was very apparent like, Oh, when the wind is down, these courses kind of lose a lot of their. uh, Yeah. Right. I think that's difficult. I think it is difficult for people because I fell in the same trap. I think it's difficult for people to take a step back and actually like, look at the course for what it is and not how you play it or not how it's whether it suits your game or doesn't suit your game for example people know that i'm not the greatest woods golfer in the world i think champions cup is up there wr jackson as one of the better courses absolutely um i think uh northwood black is up there at one of the better wooded courses like do those courses technically suit my game? No. Courses like Vegas probably suit my game the most, where I'm just throwing big hyzers, you know, 450 feet. But I'll be the first to tell you, like, Innova is a good course out there. Like, the Innova course is a solid course. But Factory and what's the other one? Crap. What's the the infinite. Is it Infinite Course? Infinite. Yeah. Those courses are trash. Those <laughs> courses are trash. 
So like, and, and, and it's the exact opposite too. Like we today, uh, or not today, but when we played Reedy Park, uh, Reedy, Reedy Park Creek. Creek, when we played Reed Creek, we all enjoyed it. It was yeah, a really fun course. If that course was on tour, it's a trash course. It's yeah, a trash awful. tour course. That yeah. doesn't mean it's a bad course to no, play course. and have fun at, but it's a trash course in the comparison of what tour courses should be. Yes. So it can, it can be both ways of where it can be uh, a, a fun course to play, but not tour worthy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I will defend USDDC to the day I die. I think, I think obviously did they make some changes that I didn't love that much? I think they really only made the three and four change. I wasn't, that, that was the only change I really didn't like based off of what old three and old four were. However, I will say this whole three has maybe the most potential out there of a hole that can be incredible. Yeah. They're, they're really close to making that hole really freaking good. And if you look at the score separation on that hole, it wasn't as bad as people thought. Like, yes, a lot of people took pars and yes, only a handful of people took birdies, but there were a lot of bogeys and there were doubles. So you still had that score separation of where it wasn't just everyone's taking a four on this hole. Yeah. But they could make it even better of where now you have, you know, 20 guys taking birdie, 30 guys taking par, 30 guys taking bogey, and then, you know, another 20 taking above bogey. Um, yeah. I, I don't like four. I think it doesn't suit the – it doesn't make sense to be there. Uh, fives change I thought was great. I love 7, 13 too. I love 13. And this is where, like, I'll argue to the day I die. We need to be – we need to stop being so soft with greens. We need to stop thinking that we should be able to throw a disc anywhere inside of 60 feet and have a wide open putt. Yeah. I, I, I don't – I agree. That hole was very, very clear what it was asking you to do. It was asking you to throw a tee shot – and this is why I love this hole. There were three for backhand for right-handed people. There were three options off the tee. Okay, there was the big hyzer out to the right. There was the forehand hyzer over the landfill. There was the backhand turnover flex over the landfill. Over the landfill. The hot, big hyzer and the forehand hyzer were your safe plays, but those were going to put you like 450 feet out for me. I was going to have 450 feet into the green. Yeah. The backhand flex was going to put me inside of 400 feet. I might have 375 feet and I'd be looking right down the tunnel shot or like right down the gap. But the backhand flex, I get too much over it. I'm OB right. I don't flex it enough. I'm in the trash on the left. It, there was risk there. And so if you don't want to take that risk, you now have a 450 foot shot and that's going to be a very, very difficult shot. Yeah. And so you can't be upset that, oh, man, there's, there's four trees right in front of the basket and I hit those trees or there's trash behind the basket. Or like if you are 350 feet away, which is what they were trying to make you do, it was a pretty standard mid-range shot out to the right, have it fade in to 20 feet and you have a wide open putt. That is what the hole was requiring you to do. And if you, if you didn't do that, you, you suffered. Mm -hmm. and I think that was one of the best holes on the course for what the what it was asking you. Was it the worst looking tee shot on the course? Absolutely. It looked terrible. Yeah. But, but it was functional. For, 
But for what it was, it was a super challenging hole for players. Yeah. And you had to make a decision what you wanted to do. And I saw people play the hole beautifully and take birdie. And I hold, saw the people play terribly and take double. That's what you want. And I will defend that till the day that I die. Yeah. The thing I won't defend about USDDC, they do not have control. Winthrop can decide, hey, um, yeah, we, we, uh, one we of our kids. Grass link this, this time. Or, or one of our kids got hit with a Frisbee. Or one of, one of the faculty members' cars got dented with a Frisbee. Or uh, a baseball player hit a, hit a ball out of the park and hit a spectator in the head. Uh, we don't want the tournament here anymore. Yeah. Or you guys have 10,000 people on the grounds now. We can't handle that. We don't want the tournament here anymore. Like, they, they can decide at any point, you're done. We're, we're done with this. We don't want it here anymore. So that is, like, scary to me. And I wish – this is one of those things where I said the same thing about GMC – I wish you could just like take the course and like grab it and pick it up. The only thing I would do differently though is like when I picked it up, I would take hole five and I would shift it and remove hole 16 and I'd put hole 16 where hole five is. I put hole five where hole 16 is and then drop it somewhere else and then yeah. boom. The tough part course. though, because when I was back there, I was like looking at it with a mindset of like, this tournament, like when I walked onto the premises, I had the mindset this tournament needs to move in the future because of like what you were just saying. Also, just as the sport grows, you know, there's just like, do you do you want to be playing where it's so obviously not just a disc golf course? Some yeah. some facets, yes. Some facets, no. Uh, but what I think is very tough is the amount of parking that you can have at, at Winthrop is great. I mean, there is so thousands good. thousands of people out there, and it didn't feel packed it didn't feel like they couldn't handle more. how was parking for you guys pretty easy fine. to come in and park yeah in. we had we had day passes so we parked down like past where player parking was last year in a field okay. back there and you just walked up and you're at hole five they have the spectator course set up right next to where the day passes park fantastic so it was it was fine yeah and we were the worst parking of it all so if it was good for us and i know vip they park next to hole 12 um and stuff like that so it was it was great they um, have that huge area like you said for like the 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 little disc golf course for spectators, but they had that huge like tournament village, I guess is what, or championship village, saying. I think is what they're calling it yeah. with all the food trucks and everything. And it's like, it's going to be, it so doesn't hard feel to super crowded. Yeah. Because like the, the tournament village was awesome because they also had that big led screen where you could watch. So like sick Liz and I obviously brought our two month old. So with a two month old, you, we, we didn't want to get too close to the cards we were following because we don't want a crying baby to distract anyone. So we were watching from pretty far away but we could watch him far away, still see what's going on. And then when he needed to eat, it was very easy. We just go into Tournament Village. It's loud in there. People are talking. They don't notice a crying baby if we're changing him or whatever. But there's a screen. We could watch it. So we sometimes sat in the tent and watched it in the tent. Sometimes we watched it on the big screen. And then there was just tons of vendors and food trucks. And they had world champion pizza there. It was incredible um, with cannolis. And anyways, so it's just like the, the whole experience while I'm walking around, like on one hand, I'm like, yes. We need this spot to be somewhere else. Can you replicate else. that? Can but you do that, though, right now with disc part. golf? Like how much land you would need and what you would have to do, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I think it needs to move anywhere because, like, the experience as, as a fan there is so hard to beat elsewhere because you never felt crowded. There was so much for you to do. So, like, if you mm -hmm. were – if, like, 
you know, we showed up and there's like some downtime between when FPO was done and when, you know, MPO lead was going to tee off. We used it to get lunch. Other people were playing that little like edge putter course. There was like, go test how fast you can throw a disc on the speed gun. There was putting tournaments going on. There was a spectator course. There was obviously tons of vending going on. There's so much to do as a fan yeah. that like you could like we went out there and we were out there from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and never were bored. There was never you a moment. Even do everything. You probably no. didn't even do everything. Yeah. No, there was never a moment where I was like, man, you know, just kind of twiddling my thumbs, which that happens at other tournaments. Like there's other tournaments where there's like, all right, well, FPO finished. We got an hour till MPO lead tees off. Like you want to just kind of watch people tee off on one or like you want to go grab yeah. some lunch and come back. Like, no, like there was so much I wanted to do that I was they like. They keep you on the grounds. They yeah, keep you on the grounds. That's downtime, the most important thing. You I don't have to leave. I missed lead card teeing off on one, two, and three. I just caught him on hole four and five because I was like, mm. we were in the championship village. I was talking to uh, Jomez and I was, you know, doing different stuff in the village. And I was like, ah, we'll catch lead card. Like I got so much going on right now. This is so much fun that like that aspect, I don't know if you can get if you move it. And, and then, I think, I yeah, think you tough. see that like uh, the, the other course that like jumps out at me right now is like Maple Hill. Right. But that to me, they, they have a lot of, they have a lot of questions that they're trying to figure out because like obviously parking was an issue this year for them. And if they want to continue to grow it, that does feel crowded. Yeah. It does. It does feel like they have, they're trying to put a lot of stuff there, which is awesome. But it, like you said, it's not separate enough. Like their tournament village or whatever is literally right in between hole one's T and hole 18. Like it's very, very close where this was like, obviously it's kind of close to hole seven, like on the backside, but still pretty far away. The setup there, it, it, the setup there seems so good. And like you said too, so many of these courses that we play at, what you just said is so right of where, there isn't a question of like, hey, what do you want to do next? It's literally just, let's just watch the lead card. And yeah. so that's why when you look at it, there's literally no one else anywhere on the course and everyone's just watching lead card going around and around. This course, you had people posted up on hole one. You had people posted up on hole five. You had people posted up on 16. You had people posted up on seven. You had people posted up on 17. You had people at the tournament village. You had people all over the course. Po yeah. People posted up on 10. There was people posted up all over the place, just sitting there watching disc golf because there was, there was ability for them to do that. There was ability for them to go and, and eat food and then come back. They, they could go and putt for a little bit if they wanted to have some fun and then come back. There, like you said, there were so many options that it really feels like an event. Yeah. And That's I don't know thing. if we can get there with other things because like that is like something where if you bring – a significant other, a friend, someone that isn't like a super diehard disc golfer to that event, they probably can find fun some way. They probably yes. can leave being like, wow, that was actually incredible. Versus if you bring a disc golf, like a non-disc golfer to some other of these events, it's literally you're just watching disc golf. There's yeah, nothing else option. to do. Because that was the other else. thing is um, Liz, my wife, had only been to like Idlewild, Wedgestone, where those are very like, you're there to watch disc golf. Like you're That's in Northwoods, yeah. you're watching disc golf and you're walking the course. So when mm -hmm. I suggested, Hey, let's bring Luca our two month old to USDGC. She was like, no, that sounds terrible. I was, like, what do you mean? Oh. I was like, we can put him in a stroller and we do not have to leave asphalt the entire day. Like there is walking paths that will take us everywhere we need to go. We she's thinking you're like going through woods and like, yeah. And so she's like, really? I was like, yeah. And if we need to feed him, 
there's literally like a whole village that's like they're playing music it's a loud area we're not going to like there's no chance we distract people with him and we can watch disc golf and have a good time and so she was all leery about it then we showed up saturday and we park and we start walking and i like it was explaining to her i was like yeah you like we walk from you know hole 12 through hole um we watch 17 and 18 from across the water so mm-hmm. we basically walked uh no we didn't on saturday we walked up the hill and so I told her from 12 up the hill, and then we came down the other side and walked back to our car. I was like, you just walked the whole course. Like, obviously, you didn't see every hole, but that was the whole course. She's like, really? Like, that was it? I'm like, yeah, that's just how the course is laid out. Like, every, there's so many spots where you can sit and watch, like, three or four holes. And yeah. as a spectator, I only move, like, 100 feet. And it's like I watched yeah. the, coming into the green here, the tee, the tee shot sideways here, and the tee shot here. And, like, I didn't really move. And so How? As, a, as a fan, like that's ideal. And that's another thing that I don't think you can get somewhere else because having those asphalt walking paths and parking lots that you're constantly through and you can just flow through the whole course so easily and get from hole 12 to hole seven. It'd be hard to replicate minute, without, it'd be hard to replicate without a lot of money. Without like, a lot of money, it'd be hard to replicate. That's the college campus aspect where they already have it where you need to be able to get from the Coliseum to wherever Like you need to be able to park and get different places quickly. So they already have all the asphalt walking paths and trails and everything done. And then the disc golf course is just beautifully designed to flow around it to where they as have a spectator, maximized what they have yeah. Yeah, as a spectator, it was just so, it's so easy to follow. And I was like, this was the first year I was thinking it from that aspect. And I was like, I think I take it all back. I think I don't, I don't, I think we, we try to stay at Winthrop as long as possible because it's so hard to replicate. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you too. Like, I think I've changed my mind too. Cause I think we both were on the same page of like, we got to get the course out of here. We got to get the course out of here. But it's like, yeah. dang, it is actually done really, really well. Yeah. What do you think the chances are like convincing Lizzie to like come back down next year after she's been 100%. there already? Super easy now. Super easy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we were literally talking about it Saturday night. Cause Luke has also been going through some like, stomach issues where he's been fussy a lot and so saturday night uh she was like kind of worried about tomorrow i was like well today kind of went great though i was like tomorrow i was like don't you see what i'm saying like even if he's fussy she's like yeah she's like next year it's gonna be so much easier like i didn't have to say anything to her she's already saying next year it's gonna be so much yeah. easier idlewild awesome. to get her back to the midwest idlewild i think i had to bribe her i think i had to like literally pay her to come with me because like <laughs> now that trip there was like a tornado warning and stuff happened where she was just terrified out there makes sense yeah but also, like, like you were saying, you get out there and like that's, that's a diehard. That's a diehard disc golf fan. We could be at USDGC four days, and my wife would enjoy every day. Yes. If we're at Ledgestone four days, she's gonna have fun one of the days. That's about it. And like that's you have to be a diehard fan. Yeah. You have to be a diehard fan, and and I think the way I think the way that USDGC does it, like, it's, like it just it sets it up for non diehard fans to still really enjoy themselves yeah and that's how that's how you that's how you grow it that's how you get bigger now science. not everyone not everyone going to an nfl football game Correct. is going because they are diehard football games they're going because it's a fun entertainment experience experience yeah heck sometimes people i would say a lot of people especially in nfl you go to a cowboys game there's a lot of people there that are not cowboys fans yeah there's every experience you know um a couple a couple things left that we can go over quick, and then I and then I'm ready to hear Silas talk about how he thinks he can shoot plus twenty out there. Um, Nico was in the gallery. Yes, he's out there. That I'm a little surprised by that, mainly because I thought he just wasn't allowed to be at anything PGA. He's suspended from playing. 
So you can still show up. They can show up. That's interesting. That that's, is interesting. You wouldn't. That would, that seems like a little bit of a loophole there. I think in Nico's situation, it was fine. You know, he he's out there. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying though, rolling, loophole, loophole in the sense of in the, some what the rules situations are. that could be. It could, in some situations that that could be very dangerous. I don't. I like, guess maybe not dangerous like, is the right word, but maybe it is the right word. Well, I got suspended. Uh, this is a story a long time ago, but I got suspended from a. Um, ultimate frisbee tournament mm. and i i wasn't i it wasn't like i wasn't allowed to play but it was also like i wasn't even allowed to be on the sideline to like help my team i couldn't yeah. be on the grounds now yeah. why did i get suspended uh do you want to hear the story real quick people probably want to hear this really quick i want to okay. hear the story it was a, it was a halftime show at a so- like a major league soccer game and they were uh basically doing a halftime show for like the three teams from the United States that were going to go compete in the world championships as kind of like a little, Hey, these are the whatever, whatever. So they gave us all little minis to throw into the crowd. Right. And obviously me being who I was at the time, I was like, I'm going to see if I can throw this up in the upper deck. I'm trying to throw this at the very top because everyone else was just kind of like tossing it 10 feet. No one up high in the stands were getting it. So I was like, I'm going to chuck this thing up to the top. Well, thing was really, really flippy. So if you think about throwing a disc that you think is like a bomber and it's really a roller, it did exactly that. It went straight up, turned into a roller, straight down. And of course, and see, again, it's a funny thing because it's just funny because I knew nothing. I know now like nothing bad happened, but it just – it of course hit the one like ten year old girl square in the forehead. Oof. Now, obviously, I went up there, apologized to her, apologized to her dad. That was right there. Both of them seemed fine. Um, beside the fact, though, still an awful thing, an awful situation happened. And this was, you know, USA Ultimate wasn't a huge fan of me because I was anti-spirit fingers and uh you know they 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 use that as a way of of uh suspending me but but yeah i mean i wasn't allowed from so because of like a promotional thing from that tournament tournament. yeah they they said i did that they said that i did that on purpose so (laughs) i mean it's it's unfortunate that it happened but he did it on purpose like you didn't tomahawk at someone if there was if there was if it if it if it was anyone else, there it would not be a situation. It would not yeah. be an issue. Yeah. It just sounds like, oh, that's a really unfortunate mistake, but you can see where the line of thought is like. Yeah, I mean I immediately ran and, I immediately ran up into the stands and apologized and was like so sorry. Yeah. You know. But um that's but yeah, so I turning it all back, I wasn't allowed to be on the at the tournament at all. Yeah. So now, I can see again, I think actually even for the PDGA. Because like you wouldn't want a local a local guy that got suspended showing back up. Like I said, no, Nico, Nico was well, that's fine what, out there. Like it, it was, it was great. Yeah, he know, wasn't interacting I'm sure with fans, he w- whatever. But you could see where it could be a problem in, well, in future well, situations. And people can agree or disagree on what Nico did was intimidating and all that stuff. Because that initially what got him suspended, right? Was he yeah. was intimidating an official. Let's say someone went above and beyond the intimidation thing and really for everyone was like yes that guy 100 percent was intimidating his car mates right at a, like a c-tier event yeah do you want that person at the next c-tier event 
just to be standing on the sideline, not talking, not doing anything, just standing watching you. Yeah. Like, do no. you want that to happen? Like, that's why I think it's part, a little bit of a loophole. A little bit of a loophole. The part, though, is like, is that enforceable? Because a lot of events are at public parks and like they didn't get. Yeah, no, I know. And that's probably why it's a loophole. It's because it's like, how do you, how do you tell someone not to be able to at a public park you get without like a shutting order. it down? Yeah. Well, that's dark horse. I mean, that's not go that far, but uh, if some yeah. situations might need to go that far. Nico is not one of those situations, but I will, in the future, I will you can s- see where that would happen. I will say though, Vegas is going to be electric next year with Nico coming yes. back. I yes. mean, there's going to be so many stories. Gannon, Drew battle. There's going to be so many stories. Next season is going to be incredible. Absolutely. Um, last thing, USDC, I know, last thing. There's a we got to talk about the – We got – I know. It is what it is. Class. We got to talk about the opening ceremony right now. We have to talk about the okay. opening ceremony. I didn't see it, so I, you just have to I walk got, through it. I got three things. I got three things. First off, they started with a prayer. Yes. Coming from a Christian myself, super weird. Not sure why the heck we're doing that. No idea why we're doing that. I don't I don't think that's the place to do it. Just going to throw that out there. It'd be the same thing as if you start with with some sort of other religion. Like it's just a it's just a weird thing to you you're telling everyone this is a mandatory event. Everyone has to show up to this event. And then all of a sudden you just throw religion at them. I I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I don't know. And you know I think, and, and here's the thing too, is like we at, at our, at our college team on Frisbee, our, our ultimate Frisbee team, we did a prayer before every game as well, but it was one of those things that we had discussed with the team saying, Hey, we're going to do a prayer. If you want to come join us by all means, but if you don't, don't feel like you have to. Yeah. And so it was a decision for people to make of whether they want to come join our prayer circle before our games or not. And this was just one of those where like, okay, guys, we're starting. And then everyone comes in and starts. And it's like, okay, we're going to open with a prayer. I just thought some people really had issues with it. Oh, yeah. I could, I could definitely see issues. I could see where people I, would have issues with it for sure. I don't know why we did that. Yeah. What, by we, I mean, I don't know why that was a thing at USDC opening ceremony. Yeah. Second thing is why are we reading off tea times like it's high school graduation? No, that's that was another – that was another unfathomable thing where like literally on the third, I think I was staying next to Ezra and like the third tea time goes out and he's like, wait, are they, are they reading everyone, everyone's tea time? I'm like, yep. All 140 names. They're just, yeah. they're just rolling through them. Um, last thing, weed gummies. We're in the players pack <laughs> and I don't know. There was stuff out there from some of the European players saying like this stuff I think is illegal in our country. That's funny. But another thing where it's just like a, a little bit of a swing and a miss where it's like there are a lot of things going well for disc golf and moving the right way, but it still feels like there are some things that like are kind of from the past that's still kind of just like, ah, we don't need to do that. Like that, that's probably something well, that. Yeah. Cause I mean, even just think of it this way. Right. Cause I know people, a lot of people think of, weed in the modern era same as like alcohol you know because like, with the decriminalization a lot of areas and stuff like that it's kind of what's going on i feel like it'd be a similar gotcha. vibe if you got a bud light in your players pack it'd be like okay kind of weird like i feel like it'd be a it's similar different thing. it'd be different if they 
all they had to do was this. All they had to do with it was this. Same thing with the Bud Light thing is players. Uh, if you if you want, we have a bar over there, and you yes. everyone player has two drink tickets. Yeah. If you want, that's fine. Versus, because again, it's like uh, you know the alcohol stuff, right? It's one of those where there could be some people that are uh, recovering. Yeah. And the, the last thing they want to do is go home and open their player pack and they have a beer in their hand. And then be like, like all right, like, well, they gave it to you. you. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just, there, with those type of things, there's just weird stuff with a, alcohol and drugs. Just like, there's just, like you said, make it available. Uh, we're giving you all situation. tickets. Yeah, we're giving you all tickets. If you want to go redeem them, by all means. If you don't, whatever. So yes. those were, those were totally a couple agree. swing and misses. We, we talked so highly about USDC. It's not debate night without me throwing in a couple dark horse little things. Absolutely. There. And I'm sure some people in the comments are going to be like, oh, Brody, you didn't have to say any of that stuff. No, I did. I did have to say it. Okay. Silas, the floor is yours. The floor is mine. Oh, boy. Well, we were, I know we were talking before you teed off about the whole, um, what, what do you think I'm shooting out there? And we said, what do we say? Plus twenty seven. Plus twenty six. No, no, we said plus twenty. You said you could break. You said plus you could 20. do plus twenty. And I, I agreed, and then I, I got on the grounds. I don't agree anymore, Silas. No. Uh, what, what line do you think you'd be at? I, I think I'd be at like plus twenty six. Twenty six. I, I don't think I. Looking at it, like what did the what did the worst person shoot? Like plus forty something. Well, you can't, you can't. Well, that's across a whole tournament, but <laughs> but they're good enough to qualify for USDGC. Yeah. So their their worst round was fifteen, and oh, okay. they they but they ended up sh they shot plus fifteen, but they also shot like even par or something to get in. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, I'm going twenty six. I would say thirty or thirty five. I'd be like he's got a, he's got a chance, mainly because I think you could play the course strategically in a way that you could do it. Yeah, no, but I'm just I'm I'm not trying to play great. I'm just trying to play for the score. Yeah, so I think I think I think thirty. If you're playing for the score, I think I think thirty. What does he get I'm, on? What does he get on five, Amanda. Silas? Five or sorry, Hunter? What does he get on five? I think he goes if he's playing just safe. Safe. Talk, talk, walk me through it. He goes really short layup, another short layup, another short layup, jump putt to the water. We'll just so that's, he's, he's about he's, to be he's, throwing, he's, five. He's throwing five, safe cross layup. He gets a forehand across first try. Safe. Not he's not going to the basket. He's going. I know, but he gets it across first try. After three, after four layups, I mean, hopefully he's in a spot. He's got clear like two hundred feet of water. Yeah. No, there is no spot like that. Yes, there is. And you just throw to the right of those trees. Like you're saying, not, you think he's going, going all? There's a mando. The basket. There's <laughs> a mando. He's just shy of the mando, and he's just having a chip shot around the trees. I don't think he gets there in four shots. He does not get to that Mando in four shots. Regardless, I think you can get across the water in five layups. I think you can take a seven. Ooh, I'd put a lot of money on that. A I think you can take a seven. I I'd put a, a lot of money right. on the over. He could also take a nine. I'd he put a lot of money on – I could you, also take you, a six. I don't think you take taking a six. Yeah, because just <laughs> go. Could you physically take a six? Yes, 100%. You absolutely could take a six. Can we just but do that? Can we just that have a seven? across the water is – it's a tough – Instead of him, instead of him just playing all eighteen, can we just have a side bet of him just playing five, and just seeing what he shoots on five? Because I will take a lot of money can that he does not. Play it? Yeah, like, the course is the right course now? is open, is open year round, but it's just not the ropes aren't up, so there's no. Size is about to uh, jump in his car and drive down there. I mean, um, 
So do you have more? Do you have more respect, Silas? Because you had some words, you had some strong words against USMC yeah, coming into the tournament. You're right. Have you? Are you changed your mind? Or are you? Are you still feeling uh, I, what you said was true? I will, I will say that this tournament is is ran very well. You yes. know, I didn't I didn't realize that there were you know three tournaments essentially going on. Kind of hate that, but continue. <laughs> So like they they had it all together, um, not gonna lie. The the players village thing that was sick. That was very cool. I I think I wish I wish more people more tournaments would do that because I know not like hardly any other tournaments probably do that of, kind of thing. Several try, but no one they have like it the way. Yeah, it's like that was does. sick. Exactly. They try. And, they have like food trucks and stuff, and they try to have like a little thing. But European Open what, was pretty decent. Okay, but yeah. That that's what kind of disappoints me a little bit is that like this is like the tournament that one of the only tournaments that this is actually successful at and it's good, other man. tournaments aren't. So that was that was really good. Um, you know, I mean, the course was good. The course was good. I like the OB thing. So the rocks, whatever. But I like the rope and the little trench thing, and I like the grass cut. The grass cut was a big one. I've never seen that before. What's the rope in the little trench thing? What is that? Yeah, they like, rope dig, they like dug a little trench like and then put a rope in dug it. Dug the rope into the ground. Oh, yeah. So that's it's, pretty cool. Instead of being on the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Nice, nice touch. Um, hole f- four. Hole four was a little interesting. The gauntlet. The Just like the tunnel shot. I don't yeah. – They for the spectators, they, they had us like way back. So like we couldn't even see – what the i mean yeah you guys were on the road right was pretty much yeah, yeah there was a little spot really, field but you were so you couldn't see a, you couldn't see a good shot versus a bad shot yeah, you just wait you, for it to hit like, a tree yeah exactly so that was a little like eh i wish we could be a little closer how was that on coverage how did they did it look good on coverage like shooting fine. right behind yeah i mean i, I hate okay. the hole but the coverage was yeah, yeah 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 i'm just saying as long as you can see what's going on on coverage what was great on coverage was and i told silas and travis when they showed up the grass length being different it played well in person but on coverage it was incredible well i'm assuming coverage was good this week since since i mean i didn't watch it because i was kind of in the mix um i watched some of fpo but i'm assuming it was good since you you didn't have any any hot takes coming in on coverage yeah yeah i mean i watched Obviously, the last two days I was there, but I still watched coverage like on the screens. I didn't get to hear much commentary, but like, I mean, they, they, there's always mistakes with coverage, right? Like, there's always something. Yeah. They stay too long on a shot, cut too early. That blah, one blah, thing blah. was the that one thing was the worst thing ever. Was like the slow pan of the commentators. Why? Uh, what, what are we doing? Why, why are we doing that? That the, is that is the commentary shot though. Look, commentary shot was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. But when they went to like look good too. When they went to like the B roll shot yeah. and they would like low and they would slow pan it across. Okay, that's I'm what like, I'm there, there's some stuff. I'm like, that's that's, a, that's 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 <laughs> that's unnecessary. It was also cool that they had the you don't uh, need like, hero shots of the commentators. The um key hole stream where you could like watch. I love the, that the four holes. I love nonstop. that. Yeah. It was like one was it one five Dude, seventeen? Were they something like that? Were they utilizing that a lot in coverage of showing like random people playing those holes? That's a great question. I well, mean, the day, day one, they definitely jumped around a ton. But the last days, I didn't look. I didn't watch coverage enough because I was on the grounds. 
to okay. see how much they had last that's, year. They had Paige Shoes Ace. Yeah, they whatever. definitely had Aces. Like, so that was cool. Well, yeah, they could. Fought that. Yeah, yeah. They, they have, obviously, if you ace, they're going to show that. But, like, it'd still be cool to be, like, Nate Sexton, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, he was out of it, so he's not going to be in the mix. But it'd be cool to pop him on when he's playing 17 to be, like, Oh, looks like Nate Sexton is going to, you know, get another top 10. You know, yeah. like, use those to kind of fill in. I just didn't know if they've d- done that yet. I think that's the future is, like, have those stationary cams there all the time. And so you're gaining all this coverage no, that sure. you can then go and be like, earlier today, check out what this person did yeah. on hole 7 and 17 yeah. versus, like, not having anything. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I, do, I do have some complaints, though. Oh, oh gosh. complaints. I'm well, okay. First of all, first of all, the the parking situation was fine, but one thing one one thing that kind of threw me off and that wasn't stated in the email or anything that we got with the day passes was you have to go I, to the ticket box. I disagree. I'm gonna read this email before I you didn't park. have a problem with it at all. I was I was <laughs> able to do it first try, no it question like, about and, it. And me and Trevor's head. Okay, here we go. Let me read. Let me read the first line of this email, Silas. <laughs> yeah. Ready? You'll be required to check in at the USDGC box office upon arrival. Yeah. The box office is located left past the front entrance. Okay. I could read that both ways. I'll take Silas's thing. I think that's that's open-ended for... But then they give you a map, and it says you are here, which is where the box office is, and then this is where you're parking. And it has directions to get to where you're parking. Well, and it's also road. directions to get to the to the box office. No, it's turn right on Eden Terrence at the stop. Turn right on University Drive at the roundabout. Like nowhere was that stated. I, I don't. I, this is in the email, my guy. I know, but I don't. I don't know if that's clear obvious. enough. I don't know if that's clear enough to like. I wouldn't. I would probably do what Silas did. I would probably park and yeah, then go parked. and try to get my tickets. Yeah, and right, like we couldn't park because we didn't have our tickets. We had to have our tickets to park, and so the guy was like, "Hey, you got to go back." Because he said, "How to receive your pass on the day of the purchase round? Go to the USDC box office at the office, print out." view that like show them this and then day pass parkings right after that there will be very limited on-site nearby satellite lots i think they should just probably probably put something in quotes that say we'll not be able to park until you go like there there should have been something there because what other event do you go to where you get your tickets first and then park well because that the tickets determined where you're parking well, like you, you already had to show your, your ticket, ticket on your park, phone. So you had to show Therefore, like the, you didn't no, have a ticket you already phone. have your ticket on your phone. No, you didn't. They the should tic- just be able to scan that and then give you the wristband at yeah, like, but after Hunter, you park. But Hunter, there's but, a lot so, of but places. Some day passes you could park in VIP. Day one, I parked in VIP. Well, that's not mm. legal. Because as the VIP parking, like if you showed up late enough in the day, if VIP parking was full, day pass you could park in VIP. So it didn't you they didn't know where you were parking yet until you showed up. Well, that's not right. How's that not right? Because you didn't pay for VIP parking. Well, no, but VIP was – the lot was full. I showed up when the round was, like, midway in, and they knew there's plenty of spaces over here. You can park here. That's another thing is if you're paying for VIP parking, you should be receiving you're not a paying VIP, for VIP parking, parking You're paying pass. for a VIP pass that includes you parking. Should, right. So the day passer shouldn't be parking in the VIP All lot. I know is I read it, and I didn't once question it. I was like, oh, I go pick up my passes. Have and you then been I go to park. another sporting event? <laughs> no silas I mean, that was my first ever sporting event <laughs> that's my point though surely you can see that i read, well, the, I some, read the email i think it was pretty clear uh, it, wasn't. There... it wasn't because it wasn't actually stated in the email okay so second next one was that a like baseball practice going on at fpo no well they had a game too game it was a game not a practice and they were blaring music and you know we're, we're trying to have a disc golf tournament over here 
on yeah, a Sunday not, too. I mean, like, a base a college baseball game hierarchy is going to be a little bit higher than right, exactly. But at least kind of like you know try and work around that scheduling wise. I mean, I'm sure maybe uh, I they think, did, but I think it's more. I think it's more the other way around. Probably, we're trying like, to I work around them. I'm sure trying and we we i think they probably are like well this is the only time we can do it there's one baseball game i think there's yeah, also that's just soccer the downside. game yeah there's just which a- which i i posted in uh the group chat saying how i i don't know if you guys saw it but i was like it's funny the commentators right now are trying to make it sound like oh there was a huge roar uh, somewhere on the course something <laughs> crazy probably happened it's like that was clearly a soccer that's a like that's that's clearly from soccer like yeah. you can hear like constant yelling and stuff, like what you would hear at a soccer game, and then you'd hear a big roar. But it was yeah. funny the commentators would try to make a spin on it, being like, "Oh, something <laughs> crazy probably ha- must have happened." At the I will say the course. the crowd, like on the ace, was really loud. Um, oh, the crowds are big the, out the there. Crowd, the, the crowd, the crowd was big. great. Like we could hear it all the way from the village all the way up to like hole one. Crowds are big, man. Crowds are big out there. So that was, was awesome exciting. Um, and then one other thing was the the green on 18 so i don't it, it like not I a good see finishing anything. not a good, I could, yeah, not a I good finishing a thing um i guess you could go around to like three's t but i mean what do you surely th- that looks- what do you think hunter what do you think do you think there's a chance that they because it's it, the ob kind of right now how 18 right it goes down the right hand side and then curls the back mm-hmm. and then kind of goes over into those trees. What if it went down the right-hand side, curls, and then just went down to the water, not back into the trees? They clear out all those trees in the back, and maybe they put some spectator uh, grandstands or something back there. Well, the tough part because, is then you're asking Winthrop to be able to clear trees. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I, I know. I think that might be the biggest it's one of those, uh, biggest issues. I agree. Is like 18 it's, it's, greens, it's, brutal. You, it's if you're not, not a in good, the front row, you're not seeing. It's not a good finishing oh, hole. Like, the tough part is it's a really it's a great finishing hole for the players. Fantastic yeah. finishing it, hole. But so it's a it's one of those where they weigh the balance of like they've previously tried moving it back in the middle of the three. fairway. Terrible. And it, just, it sucked. But it was great Terrible. for the spectators. All the spectators could see. You could gather around it. And so they tried that, but it it seems like they made the decision like we need to be better for the players and the spectators, you know, you got to kind of deal with it, but it, it couldn't they, couldn't they put more, cause it's I think a, he's, they got to put grandstands. Good. They got to put grandstands on the right. That's, they, that's that what they have to nice. do. That would definitely help. Cause, cause right where they have like players scoring, get, get players scoring out of there. Yeah. Get, yeah. Put, put players scoring. There were people like actually the showing in the, the shack. Yeah. In the shack. Yeah. There were people going into like the lost found discs. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> to like I think that needs to be seat. all that needs to go like stadium seating. Yeah, yeah. that would definitely help. Because then, because then, if you get people stacked up, then you can see down. Because right Cause now, like, you either you have to decide when they get to 18. Do I want to be on the green or do I want to watch the approach shots? Because you can't do both. Right. Because by the time you get to the green, it's already going to be three rows deep. Or like if you're on the green, you can't see the shots from from like people driving and approaching in. What the I last... did is I watched from across the water, and as soon as he threw a approach shot, I just looked down at my disc golf network and watched and the approach watched... shot come in. Yeah. Not the most ideal way to do it, but yeah, I, it was well, good for me. I will say, like, 
the last two years we've been lucky to where the deciding factor has come on hole 17, essentially, right? Yeah. With Paul, Paul's yeah. big putt last year, Gannon's big putt this year, basically made 18 kind of like – they're we haven't had one in the last two years where like someone cashes in like that 45-footer for the win yeah. on 18, where it's like you would want to have a lot of people seeing that. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you on that side. Hole 18's green, not great for spectators. Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I had. It could be, though. It could be. It, yeah, that, that's pretty much all of the complaints I had. Um, what would you rate it out of 10 now that you've been there? Uh, we Yeah, we said this on the vlog. I think I said, uh, I think I said like an eight point three. Eight point three. Okay. All right. Uh, Respectable. I, I I think that's what I said. That's I don't a lot know. higher than you by... probably thought it was going to be going into that weekend. What's that? I says that that's probably higher than you thought it was going to be going into the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was going to be good. Yeah. Um, but I will say, After... I had I. It was interesting watching FPO because I've n- I'd never watched um fpo before yeah and live um, yeah yeah in yeah person. oh and one more thing is just seeing people in person is just totally different like Corey ellis that dude is tall yeah like i didn't i did not know he was so tall that's what everyone says when they see Corey for the first time and like emerson keith yeah short. he's short, Very short. <laughs> he's as short as i thought he was um but I, I mean that was just super interesting to see and just like you you see shots on coverage and you're like oh that's a good shot but you see shots in in person you're like wow that's a great shot yeah um so it was really cool to be down there and and all that stuff and it's really cool to see everyone that you know came up and said hi do that you was, final question cool. to you from me do you still think it needs to move from winthrop yeah i think it has to okay yeah i mean long term yeah it's got to you can't you can't say yeah it it there's just too much there's too many things that could go wrong. Too many things that Winthrop could could say, like, "Hey, we want to build a new building right here." Boom, you know, you got to get mm. rid of whole five or you know whatever. So yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but I will say the FPO watching FPO gave me hope because those people were like half my size, and they were throwing further than me, <laughs> and so I was like, man. <laughs> I some way I gotta be able to throw further. That's so. amazing. <laughs> but props awesome. to them because they throw freaking far. That's great. That was funny. Uh, all right, let's wrap this thing up pretty quick. I think we talked through the tour championship and then um, touch yeah. on the survey really quick, and uh, hopefully we can do it before Silas has to leave to go to class. Probably not. What, what's our t- what, what's our time frame? Like what? Fifteen minutes. Okay, we can do it. We can crank it right. out. Tour championship, Brody. I'm just going to ask really quick. A, how do you feel about the format? B, with the qualifying thing or a play-in event going on tomorrow, can you still practice the course tomorrow? Yes, okay. and you can still practice the course. Like, So if you're in the semis, if you're like the top four guys, you can still practice course every day. Nice. Um, how do you feel about the course? It. Do you get to play it again? Completely changed my mind. Oh, okay. First – yeah, first time was on Sunday or Saturday last week, I guess. Yeah. Um, I walked through it, it when I I walked through it, and a lot of holes like I had no idea what I was even doing. So I was like, I'm not going to throw a shot because I don't know if it goes right or left. So I just walked the course a lot. Interesting enough, uh, when we were out filming yesterday, Simon was did the same thing. He walked the course, no discs in his hand or anything, just walked it. I think that's a real good way of of. Um, seeing courses for the first time 
but I will say it played a lot better than I thought. I I was very down on the course after walking it the first time. Changed my mind. But I will say it does feel like – it feels like almost whoever designed the course started getting a little tired on the back nine. (laughs) That's what it feels like. I I feel like the front front nine is very good. I like the front nine a lot. Back nine, eh. And then the biggest thing is hole 18. I think I think they they messed up one thing on hole 18 is they made a mando, um, and uh, I don't know if you can pull up if you want to pull up the um, caddy book, the caddy book, so you can kind of an idea. Maybe you can. Maybe I don't know. Size, can we throw stuff on the screen or no? Uh, yeah, should be able to. Can yeah. you can you can you like maybe screenshot it and send it to Silas or something so you can throw it up there so we can I talk about? It up. We'll we'll uh yeah we, we can put it up in post. Okay, whole eighteen's caddy. Uh, whole eighteen. When I first saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible because initially how they had seventeen eighteen was terrible. I did not like seventeen eighteen when I first walked through it. Yeah, they basically combined seventeen eighteen to make an epic par four to finish it. And I was like, this is going to be incredible. But they have – okay, it's an L-shaped hole. Okay, so it go, the fairway goes up. That's and the then it, caddy book, Silas. The, the fairway goes up, and then it goes sharp turn to the left. Okay? Okay. And this all to the left is all OB. So initially I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be incredible. You're going to have people being super aggressive if they need to on 18 trying to cut off. And it's uphill too. The tee shot's uphill. Okay. Trying to cut off all this OB and trying to get way up there because it it is a tough, it is a long hole. And if they don't clear everything, they just threw OB the whole time and like their tournament's over, right? Yeah. They're probably going to lose. But they made a Mando on this tree. So now the only play is everyone to throw the big hyzer. And like me and Ezra threw, I mean, granted, we were a little bit tired, so maybe we can throw a little bit further when we're fresh. But we threw pretty good hyzer pushing backhands, and our next shot was 480 feet mm. to a to a green that's surrounded by OB. Yeah. And so that's where I was just like, oh, that, that that's just me being a little nitpicky. That's where I love where it's like. Don't make that OB. Make players have to decide if they want to play the safe hyzer shot up there or if they want to try to chew off and chuck it over OB because it's a risk-reward shot. That's why I love. Yeah. I love risk-reward shots. And um, But, but yeah, I, I, I've completely did a 180 on the course. I think, I think it, overall it's, it's kind of like what we talked about before where if you're just looking at it as a course, it's a great course, a lot of fun. Front nine, great tour course. Back nine, not so much. Gotcha. Makes sense. All right. Well, that's good to hear. But whole 17, one of the best – whole 17 is one of the best par fives too. Great. On tour. Um, so that's 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 a great hole too. So the finishing the finishing two holes, even though there is a man on 18, the finishing two holes are good. Awesome. Um, so that's very exciting. We'll obviously next week talk through uh, – 35K on the line. Yeah, 35 grand to the winner for MPO and FPO. Um, yeah. Next week we'll obviously talk through the recap of it. And we're going to have a preview show on Grip Lock. We'll fill out the brackets and um, – finish our oh. our points uh Heck for, yeah. for grip lock with the predictions i don't think i'm catchable but um what, well you guys you guys should do it to where it's like you actually get points we're gonna for get points like march madness yeah like if you get if you pick someone out of the first round it's one point second round two three four type thing uh so you, you should a lot have of points on the line you should have a combo in there though 
you should have a combo because like if someone from the first round all the way through and you picked them. No, 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 no. I think combo per round. So like if you like you should there should be a bigger difference between someone that got one right and someone that got four. three right than two yeah. points. Yeah, if you get all four right, like there should be some sort of multiplier of where you get all four. If you get three of four, there should be a multiplier. So that way there's a little bit more points on the board so it can be a little bit more exciting. I, if we do that, I might be catchable, which would be great. Make it more exciting. Um, but yeah, I think last thing we want to touch on was the PDGA survey. We got to talk about this survey real quick. We got to talk about this. So how what, was, is, what is going on? How it was originally proposed with the email we got was last Tuesday, you get an email as a PDGA member, but essentially it seemed like they were going to be surveying what everyone thought of transgender players in FPO. That's what it seemed like the, the survey was going to be on. And the first So is that just one question? The first two pages were essentially that. It was just like uh, from like strongly disagree to strongly agree, you know, different questions regarding that topic. The rest of it seemed a lot more just like a what's our demographic? Where do our player where do our um members lean on issues on like different things? And like but the were they more political, like, like political questions? A lot of them had like political back end ties, but some of them were literally like, "What's more important when raising a child for them to be?" I saw uh, that one. Considerate or well behaved? And I'm like, "What does what, that what even is that, mean? What is that question? I want my children to be considerate and well. I think if our, my child is well behaved, they are considerate, and I think if they're considerate, they're probably well behaved." No, so no, like, no, how no, do you... no, no, no. We had an argument on this, and that's okay. not correct. Okay, well, regardless, if they're both you... important. So like how okay. how you pick I won't one go or into the it. other? I won't go into. It. They are both important, but yes, if you if you are well behaved, you are not considerate. You but don't have to be. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to be, but like when if you're considerate, question, you are well behaved. If it's an either or question, it Correct. was confusing to me because I'm like yes, I kind of want I want both. It'd be like polar opposites. Yeah, if I was, a, like you would think either it'd be or like, question. Is it more important? Like one was like yeah, do you, and something. I forget what they were, but they yeah, weren't. You, they were never polar want, opposites. Do you want your child to be? Uh, smart or physically able? It's like, mm, both. I, I would like both, please. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of those questions where you're like, both. How am I supposed to pick this? And also, why does this ha- why does this matter in the scope of things? Like, it was obvious they were trying to get about like how their was demographics it- <laughs> think through like critical thing, but it was just very confusing because that's not what the survey was posed as. It was posed as we're getting your opinion on this, which was like it was going to be like a two page survey, like very easy this and then the rest of it went like one was literally where do you stand politically like zero was super far left uh 10 or seven I forget what scale was was super far right and like it was like answer from zero to 10 where do you stand politically i was like what what does that have to do with any was there this? was there a point where you're like am i ta- like you just forgot that you were taking like a disc golf survey it was like there was there a per- point where you're just like wait a second like what where am I was reading I? every was question and like it just got farther and farther away from what <laughs> I thought the survey was. And it's like every question I read out loud, I'm like, what what am I being asked right now? Like what is what is like I feel like I'm being profiled or something. I don't know what's going on. Like I, I, they're trying to learn so much random stuff that I was like, I'm curious what they're gonna do with this, because then someone on the PDGA medical committee put a reel on Instagram and basically said that their decision's already made, they already have all the research and everything they need. And like the medical committee, which just recommends to the board of directors what the decision should be, and the board of director makes the rule, the medical committee is not even really using this survey to make their ruling on transgender players in FPO. So it was like even more of a question of like, is why what is this? What the feel I got was the PDGA 
wanted to know what like the their demographic was before they made a decision so they know what pushback is going to come from where that was the feel i was getting i don't know if that's right at all but that was the feel i was getting they were like let's just take a broad survey so we know exactly who signed up for the pdga and then we can kind of predict it, it seemed like a very like the pdga doesn't want to be in the wrong so they're trying to figure out how to be friends with everybody and so they want to know okay who are we trying to be friends with versus mm. just like okay let's make an informed decision and like no matter because the deal is no matter what decisions made someone's upset there's yes. no there's no way around it no matter what decisions made some group of people is going to be upset and yes. i think what it felt like to me was the pdga was like we don't want anyone to be upset we want everyone to love us we are great how let's figure out who all our people are so we don't upset anyone that's what it felt like to me. I don't know. I could be completely off on it, but it also came from the the person who like sent it out was the guy who the jerk move guy. I heard, yeah. And people the, tweet me about was talking that. about Paige getting roasted behind the scenes. I don't know why that guy's I, still affiliated with the PDA. Yeah, I thought I thought he I thought he was gone. He was what president. Happened? He was he's president. Back? He was president of the board of directors. He stepped down, and now he's in like a volunteer position at the PDGA. But like, why is that guy still in our sport? Like, I don't. But he but he was the one that created the survey, right? Yeah, he was the one facilitating the survey. That seems like a pretty big job for like a volunteer to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. The PDGA like we, fascinates me. I'm not. I'm not trusting anyone coming in and volunteering for us to do anything important. No. Yeah. I don't. The heck. The survey was very. I mean, I think. I think it's more so they didn't tell us exactly what the survey was going to be. Is why there was so much shock when you opened it. Yeah, because like if you understood the survey going in, then the questions made sense. But when you were told this survey's on, you know, transgender players and FPO, the first two pages, I'm like, yep, these questions make sense. Answer, 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 answer. Then you get to like page three, I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird, but I kind of still get where they're going. And then eventually, it's like, how are you raising your child? And I'm like, okay, now how do we get from point <laughs> A to point B? Like, where I, you lost me in the middle here, like that. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that. Uh, it was It'll be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see what what uh, what the listeners well, I'm, think. I'm of curious. It, like, know? are they gonna are they gonna post these results? Like, I, I don't know. I I want to know what the PDG is gonna do with this information. Like, it was a very very confusing sequence of events. Probably sell it for a lot of money. Maybe maybe they're using it to <laughs> sell to advertisers so that like their disc golfer magazine they have a better you know demographic you know when they're going to advertisers. I, yeah, don't, they, I don't know what's going they, on. They go to, uh, oh shoot, what's the, what is it? The, what's that uh, gun company that sponsors a lot of like podcasts? Like Colt, uh, or no. No, they're, they're a uh, coffee company. Black Rifle. Yeah, Black Rifle. They, they go to Black Rifle and they're like, look, 70% of our, yeah. of our, <laughs> 70% of our members uh, think it, their right to own a gun. Yeah. Like, you need, a, you need to throw some money at us. Oh, yeah. Hey, if that's it, that, PGA might be the smartest company in the world. Yeah. Maybe. Also, I mean, were they able? Because obviously, if you if we ask these questions before, like on an interview, like if we if we were interviewing someone for a job at Foundation, and we we're like, you have to you have to answer these questions. I think we could get we could get sued. I think we I think we would be liable. Probably, but it wasn't a mandatory survey. That's what I'm saying. Because it's a survey. Yeah, you were choosing is that like the loophole that they can. Yeah. My point is like the questions that were being asked. You cannot force people to answer those no. questions. It was a voluntary survey, so like, and that's why they could get not away all with members it. have to take it. I saw a lot of people saying they weren't taking it, but yeah. So because because you can walk up on the street and ask anyone anything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Like of I course. could walk up and ask them, like, because like something with like, oh, have you had a knee surgery? Like, 
obviously you can't force me to say that because that's a HIPAA violation. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like, yeah, I've had knee surgery. I haven't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's me volunteering that information. It's my information to yeah. volunteer. Uh, so voluntarily taking that survey. Yeah. If it would have said to stay a PDGA member, it's mandatory you do this. Mm-hmm. That probably would have crossed a legal line. Yes. Caused some problems. Yeah. But I don't know. It was, yeah, it was fascinating. Hey, if you didn't take it as a PDGA hey. member, I would advise at least look it up. I also think on Reddit, someone posted a link to all the questions. Uh, I think you can find that. Um, so if you're just curious, you're not a PDGA member and you want to see what the heck everyone's talking about. I like will say this. Let me read a few of the questions. I found the. I found oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want um, my answers or no? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it, it asks, like, what the, what the following best describes you? Uh, what best describes you? Like, I play in PDGA events. Like, where are you staying within the PDGA? Like, are you on the Pro okay. Tour? Blah, blah, blah. Like, are you, like, they have options. I'm a woman, transgender woman, man, transgender man, non binary, identify it. So, like, that, those questions all made sense at the beginning. Highest degree of school made sense still. Um, and then it gets to, this is where it starts. So like, this is the last page that was like, I was understanding. So it's like, do you have a family member, close friend, acquaintance who is gay slash lesbian? Yes or no. Do you have a family member, close friend or acquaintance who is transgender? Yes or no. Those, yeah. the questions up to Makes that point sense. all made sense for the scope of the survey. Then the next one was like, here's a seven point scale on the political views that might hold, that might be arranged from extremely liberal left to extremely conservative right. Where would you place yourself on the scale? How many times do you attend religious services or ceremonies at your place of worship? And then how strongly do you agree or disagree with the following statements? It's disrespectful for a man to swear in front of a woman. Like, these were questions I started going, now, where, where does this have to do with what, what we're taking? What is going on? There's, like this one. There are some professions and types of businesses that are more suitable for men than women. It bothers me more to see a woman who is pushy than a man who is pushy. Like, now it's just going, like, are you sexist? And, like, so it just went, like, it went from, where do you stand on this? Like, okay, are you sexist? To then, like. The world is changing and we should adjust you know our what? moral views. The newer you know lifestyle they might... contributing to the breakdown of our society. Like it slowly just shifted to a political survey. You know what they might do? You know what they might do? They might throw all these things. Cause my buddy's really good at Excel and he's shown me stuff like you can do on Excel. I bet they do this. I bet they chuck all these answers in there. Then they make like this little formula that says like anyone that answered these ways on these questions throw their answers out that's what i was saying they don't i mean that would they be don't count wrong, obviously but yeah but like all could. all the sexist bigots throw their answers out we don't care what they think and let's just see what we're left with and see what those people think they, they might be doing that that might be what they're doing but when you're trying to survey your whole demographic a i don't think the first off i don't think the decision on whether or not transgender should play an fbo should have anything to do with just the mass opinion of the people like it Correct. should be based on science. Correct. So Correct. let's start there. But if you're like, hey, we want to get the mass opinion of the people, then you're getting the mass opinion of the people. It's not like, well, we don't want to hear from you. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, we just want to hear from you. Like, cause then of course you're going to get, like if you, if you, if you use this to pick and choose, you can look at all the answers of every other question and probably know how they answer the first few questions. Realistically. What's, what are they, isn't there a saying something like that? Of don't where throw the baby like, out with the bathwater? That might not be it. That's that's, that's a different phrase. Not. No, that there was, was the something. No, there was some sort of saying of like, not you know, it goes along with like history kind of don't let history repeat itself kind of thing of where, if if all we're doing is like oh whatever the masses like whatever the most people think that's what the best thing is like that is not the best way of going about life. No, of where it's just like was it groupthink right? Is that what it is that know. what I'm thinking of? Of where like everyone just like 
hive mind. They all think yeah. the same way. And so it's like, okay, that's what the best thing is. When you have some brilliant person over here being like, hey, there's a better way of doing this. Yeah, like, or like someone with a different perspective that can see something that the masses just don't see. It's like, yeah, I just feel like there's been a lot of times in history where everyone jumps on something, and then like later in life, we're like, that was not a good idea. Yeah, like that we met, we messed that one up. We met. So I'm, I'm with you on that. It's like we shouldn't probably whatever, whatever side it's on. If, if there's a 90 percent people saying it should go this way, or the 90 percent people saying it should go that way, I'm with you and and agreeing that I don't think that's what the PDGA should be looking at to being like, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And then these are the children questions. Please tell Ooh. us which one's more important for a child to have obedience or self-reliance. And it's like tough one. Tell us which one is more important for a child to have curiosity or good manners. And I'm like, that's what these questions start getting where I'm like, I want my child to be curious and I want my child to have good manners. Well, Why, they so then that, they're two completely different spectrums to me. Cause that's the thing is like, would you rather, cause now I, I'll, I'll pose it this way. Would you rather have a curious child that has terrible manners or a good manners child that's brain dead? Yeah. It's like, how do you decide that? Cause they, if you go that way, it's like, cause the options obvious, you can have both like a, yes. a child with good manners can still have a can great imagination curious. and be very curious. Yeah. And like, so why do you have to pick one or the other? Like they're both vital. Please Gosh, tell us which is, is more important for a child to be considered well-behaved. Can we get Trevor? Can like, Trevor get, can Trevor get this guy on his podcast and ask why, like I want to go why. through. I, yeah. I want to go through and hear like the reasoning of these questions. Like, sir, why do you care if I want my kid to be curious or well-behaved? Well, I just like, want to, I want to hear are, that question. I want to know why those are superimposed against each other. Like it has mm. to be something where like maybe if you think this way about like like if you have X set of morals or like values or whatever, there must be one you value more than the other. Like there's got to be a reasoning behind the question, but like it's not a black and white question. Like it's a very is like, like is this like the Amazon thing where they they can like track what you're doing online, so then they know exactly what like makes you go, so then they give you an ad for something and you're like, Oh my God, I got to buy that. Like, is it, is it, they're trying to like ask oh, us questions to where they know how we think. Could I be. think, I think that's definitely what they're Are doing. we in the matrix? Are we in the matrix? Yes, we could be in the we're matrix. We're definitely in a simulation to start off with, but no, it was a, it was a fascinating survey. And I think that the reason people, cause like the questions themselves, if you would have known you were going into a survey like that, the questions would have made sense. You'd be like, okay, yeah, you're asking about like, okay, I get it. Personality. But when I'm, you're going wanna... into a, a survey, it's like a Miles Briggs was about test. A, and then ninety percent of the survey was about B. I was like, throws you off. Yeah, I just like I think that's what it threw everyone off. Everyone's just like, why are you? Why do you need to know any of this? That's not what you're asking me about. But I, still well, stand I, I do that, appreciate. Go ahead. I was I still stand that the, the PDGA shouldn't be basing their ruling on the opinion of the masses because like you should be, they should just be looking at strictly science facts. You know, realistically, what they should be doing is like. When when player A meets our standards here, is there still an advantage? And if that is true, then we need to change our standards here. That's what should be going on. It's like if player A meets these standards, do it, first off, make sure player A does meet the standards because that's not even happening in the PGA. Whole different thing. But player A meets these standards. Is there still an advantage? If the answer is yes, we rework the standards until mm. there is no – like that. that to me is what should be going on in this line of thought. Like that's it. And there shouldn't be like, okay, are all the masses okay with what's going on right now? Like that—that's irrelevant. 
but I think that people, they just don't want to upset people. And like, you, you're going to upset someone. No matter what happens, people are going to be upset. So you just got to make the right decision. That's all you got to do. Whatever yeah. the right decision ends up being, you got to make it and roll with it and just deal with the backlash. So fascinating, fascinating thing. Uh, we'll talk about it more on Grip Locked, I'm sure. But all right, Brody, I think that's the Thursday, show. Thursday, 7 night. p.m., yeah. Twitter. See you there. See y'all there. Uh, hopefully we'll be hearing about how great your round was and how you're ready to play on Friday, Thursday night too. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I, this is a course that I can either shoot five under or 15 over. So be fascinating. We'll see what happens. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you all Thursday night and then back here Tuesday night. Brody will actually – nope, you won't be in studio. You will, you will be in studio Tuesday when we film. It's not nighttime, baby. There we go. Boom. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Nope, later this week. Jeez, that was almost bad.